These are the questions you and I have to ask. How did we get this mind? You're not an American. You're an African who happens to be an American. You have to understand the difference. We didn't come over on the, the Nita, the Pinta, and the, and, the, and the whatchamacallit. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. <laughs> Welcome, 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 welcome to the podcast that does, I think, what it says in the tin. It's best film ever. My name's Ian. My name's Ethan. And I'm Julene. Hey! Hey! <laughs> we got Julene with us in the house today, because really, this is your episode. This is one of the BFF of the BFE episodes, and yeah. we found ourselves down a couple of people, and it was like, well, let's just get Julene on for the whole shoot and match. There's no reason we can't do that. So, in case of emergency, break glass, and uh, we got to join Julene on our commute from work to home. It was a very <laughs> short commute. <laughs> You, you live much closer to your workplace than I do. I don't know how. I want the breath. I'd go. That's really convenient. On the other, it's just like I need. I need distance from where I work. I just do. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. But I, I mean, it was just one of those things. I picked up a job to pass the time, and it turned into a whole thing. <laughs> yeah, jobs do that. <laughs> they turn into things. But something else you got turned into a thing. You said you're going back to New York City next month. New York. Yeah. Um, I have to bring my daughter. It's like you and Mariah Carey both have to show up in New York every Christmas time. <laughs> yeah. There you are. Except, except Mar- Mariah is way more annoying. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm team spooky. Give me spooky season. Oh, no, I'm, see, I'm, I'm definitely not. I'm all in on Christmas. I really am. Not all in on Mariah, but, but I'm all in on Christmas. So there we go. Yeah. Oh, God. All I want for Christmas is that song to disappear. <laughs> and Ethan, you're in a new house now, right? Yeah. I'm I mean, I mean, you, I mean, you were house. last week, but you were on the yeah. floor last week. Now, you, now you've got a desk. <laughs> I got everything. I got my desk. I got my my. Um, I found out I have seven boxes full of Star Wars things that I've now unpacked. I, I'm thinking I have too many Star Wars things. Um, I'm now gonna have too many Lord of the Rings things instead. That's how I'm gonna alter that. But no, I'm I'm set up. Last, got my new desk. Movie. Got got my LEDs uh, that will turn my computer off if I turn them off. So um, I'm gonna I'm gonna rack up that electricity bill this Christmas. Jesus, oh, oh, in the UK <laughs> that is not hard to do. Just turn, oh, use well. my toaster. Turn, and I'm turn, in hell. turn the heat on for a half hour. There you go. Hope you enjoyed the Christmas budget. All right. I, was, I was about to ask you: Did you find a home for your Star Wars collection? I'm still on unpa- my Death Star. I, I this massive Lego Death Star that I got like two years ago, and it got broken in the move. So uh, it's just in a closet no. somewhere. And my excuse is, in, instead of it just being broken, it's it's post explosion Death Star, and and that's why it's <laughs> like it because I go. can't come to terms that it that it's just broken. There you go. Uh, oh no! I'll tell you what I can come to terms with though. And that was uh, we did bullet last week. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, 
It was an episode, and it was a movie. It was an episode. And it was a movie, so there we go. Um, Yeah, Uh, we should address this. Liam and Georgia are not here today, but it's not because they've fallen out and quit the pod. (laughs) I was saying to Georgia yesterday, you realize you guys are both calling off on the week after you guys got into it on the pod, and people are going to think you have quit. And she, Her response was just like this mischievous little laugh, as opposed to going, yeah, sorry about that. I'll send an audio note in now. So Georgia is singing at some sort of a Christmas light turn on today and liam's visiting his dad and that's kind of what we got going on uh this this week as we do episode number 150 malcolm x i know 150 they're away for 150 150 150 (laughs) that's not just pieces of content it's 150 full reviews full reviews with full rankings and ratings at the end of it 150 end games 150 everything not including the talk of the mickey stuff 150 yeah that's a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. Spinoffs. But how many downloads, though? We're doing okay. We're doing okay. We're 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 up over seventy thousand. So we're we're really quite happy about that. Uh, as far as it's important not to go cross platform crazy because I was look, talking to someone who uh, they've got a YouTube channel. YouTube, you can just oh, it's like exponential. Yeah. Like 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 a fledgling YouTube channel does like so many views as opposed to a fledgling podcast. You look at all the metrics, it says we're doing very, very well. And I'm like, the I will YouTube take that. Algorithm is beautiful. Yeah, I don't know what you, they've done to but I've been finding so many like small oh, really? numbered channels Excellent. recently. Um, we'll tell you what's not a small number. It's a humbling number every month. And that's our <laughs> Patreon backers. Let's give Yay! them some love here. We're talking, of course, about Julene. How could you not talk about Julene? We're talking about Reverend Bruce. We're, we're talking about Hermes. Hermes. We're talking about Lena Oberholzer. We're talking about not one McRae, two McRae's. Katie McRae in the house. We're talking about Anthony and Davies making it so. We're talking about Chris Peterson. The Peterson. We're talking about Randall. What's your handle? Silva. Silva. Hi-ho, Silva. Away. We're talking about, help me out with this one, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith. That was very good actually we're talking about the yeetmeister yeet. we're talking about nate the great. the great the great we're talking about andy dixon dixon i'm not sure that works by itself we're talking definitely thought that was going to be something else we're decking the halls with holly callen fa la 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 we're talking about cheesy with a fish, With a fish on the <laughs> We're talking about everybody's favorite grump over there in the Patreon. That's Richard. And Richard. we're talking about most recent the Patreon poll, Ryan Kukets. Cool cats. Cool cat for the cool cats. And yeah, if you want to find out how you can be involved and help support the pod in as little way as you can, that's patreon.com slash BFE. We have all sorts of options from just, hey, let's help you guys keep this up there on the air one to two times a week. Lately, it's been once a week. We've been very busy in October. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, or all the way up to what, what Julian's doing and coming and hanging out with us and spending a few hours yeah. of us here today talking about a movie. And uh, that's again, patreon.com slash BFE. Uh, speaking of which, I, I know I'll do a little promo. We've got a thing up there. George and I have determined we're going to go through one sort of sitcom and do like a greatest hits version. Probably about, I don't know, 30 to 45 episodes next year uh, on either it it's either friends it community friends community how i met your mother or the american version of the office so those are the options available 
to I voted for the office. Uh, so there we go. So <laughs> I, I don't know the things yet, so no one spoil it for me. Georgia will announce it once we get enough that it's like a, a done vote, once it's officially done. So once one can't be caught, we will we will reveal it to everybody, and we'll start that in the new year. Uh, let's do some reflections and corrections. And the first one comes at you, Ethan, from Dwayne uh, Smith. Oh, uh, no. I know where this is going. I'm not convinced Ethan knows anything about football, but he does try. <laughs> this is after you put your punditry hat on wow. and declared Argentina were going to win the World Cup. The pain. Yeah. He says, although it was incredibly funny that Argentina lost this game, they could actually still win the tournament. And of course they could. There's still, there's still yeah. a path for them to make it into the next round. Yeah. They did win yeah, their second they- match. Didn't they lose to um, Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah. This is the World Cup of the underdog, though. My, except for Canada. Canada's uh, <laughs> true. To, we, we scored a goal. The curse is over. We scored a yeah. goal. But uh, I'll tell you what. I went and watched the. Uh, I was the only person at our local social club, so I went in and I saw uh, Cheryl. Cheryl was behind the counter. I went, "Hey, Cheryl." She's like, "Oh, how you doing?" I was like, "I'm all right." Um, uh, you guys, I was the only one there. I said, Did no one here? She goes, no, no, no. I said, well, I can leave. If you want to go home, I can I can bail. And she went, no, no, I stay until 9. So I'm like, okay. And then I can look at the TV, and it's some sort of soap on. And I'm like, you wouldn't mind putting the uh, putting the football match on, would you? She's like, oh, there was one on earlier, but, you know, Emma Dale's on. And I'm like, I hear you, but like 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 it's, it's, it's kind of like a bar. So, you know, <laughs> sports. <laughs> And you know you're at work, and I'm just kind of going to buy a beer and some and some and some snacks and just watch the football. And she was kind enough and did switch it over. Uh, and man, Canada was good. We just couldn't we just couldn't finish. So there we go. Better than England did in well, the second match against the, against against the United States. That yeah, was, that was painful. I tell you, what, I almost oh. went up to the social club to watch it and thought, a, it's going to be jam packed, and b, is that really Friday night? It's a big risk if it doesn't go well. And it, yeah, it was. It was, it was I hear it was a boring nil. Yeah, it's not other part. They'd think I was, was I was an American. It was infuriatingly boring. I heard it was incredibly dull. I heard yeah. uh, not, not not even for neutrals who aren't used to football um, scores being low. Uh, I just heard it was just a boring game. So they did uh, nothing. Yeah. They didn't, I don't so, know what they were. They were like, well, he's the same team that won against um, Iran. I'm like, Iran is different to the US. Yep. And and I, Ethan's football punditry, which I know is, I don't know anything about, but ah, oh, defense is shit. All right. Thank you for your, uh, thank you for your punditry. It's a, <laughs> it's a nice tip. Um, moving can we, on. Can we talk about the, sports teams coming out of iran like protesting they well, are we got some sport, yeah we got some sports teams protesting crazy. out of iran and i'm just sitting there going i'll be honest with you when i saw the picture of them with their hands over their mouths oh, I, I thought that was that was germany i think no no the, the iranians did it as well uh, okay and so the germans i'd be like yeah cool you did something well done one of the teams went we're wearing the armband even if you sanction us i was like good for you because yeah. england and wales both i think it was netherlands both both turned chicken so i was like yeah. well done netherlands um but when the iranians did it i went oh because that's a fairly you know theocratic regime over there mm. um yeah like when they protest, like they, there is a good chance they they will not make it home. I guess the so, thing, I think all of them did it, as opposed to if one of them did it. So, yeah. it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. I'm really uh, there's there's concern there. There's absolutely concern there. Um, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this World Cup continues to be. Um, 
a difficult one. It's not the escapism that these things usually just provide. I mean, there are moments of it, but there's also very real non-escapist things that we're having to deal with as we uh, look into it. I think I saw some footage of some uh, of some violence between probably the English fans and American fans, but probably yeah. being led by the English. And again, I was like, can we, can we not just go somewhere and not turn into this? The one, the one place you don't want to, the hooliganism to. Oh yeah, because yeah. yeah, because that's the part of the world that's got like you know lenient police forces yeah. and things like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, jeez. Like, I love the the whole meme of "Come on, England, score some goals," and all. But there is a time and a place, and our chants are absolutely horrible. I think the England chant against um, the US was just chanting 9/11 over and over. Is that true? Or flying paper planes oh, at this, and I'm like, that's, what's that's the bad. point? Yeah, and even like to the to the uh, Qatar uh, women, they were singing, uh, "Come on, get uh, was it? Um, oh no, really? show your okay. face or something." And I'm oh, like, okay. guys, don't don't try. I bet you Canada had like the most respectful chance. Probably. Thank you for you, having us. You did really well. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> we, wa- we want Good to win job. but we don't want you to feel bad <laughs> hey <laughs> i had, I had Wales, uh some family friends and i had had like one of those little uh tables and you you, you put in like a pound and you get a team and the team that i was given was wales yeah that's usually what happens to me and I'm, all, I'm already things. out are you already out yeah i nearly had england i was so close to england it was like one of those little spitty wheels yep. and yeah um yeah but so i i check into the world cup like on, like every other year sometimes i'll go a few years without watching and then like the last time before this year i watched the world cup um brazil got like killed by like germany yeah it is only like, once every being- it is only once every four years so yeah um yeah. that might have been the last time there was a world cup i'm trying to remember i remember i remember a game maybe it was two world cups ago it might have been where Germany just destroyed Brazil. Yeah, yeah I think that was the twenty fourteen one. Yeah, yeah, years. Yeah, it? it wasn't twelve years because I was living in this country. So yeah, that's the thing. I know, I know which house I was in because I went to the next room to, to, mm. to tell someone the score, and they they couldn't have cared less. But I was like, this is you have to realize this is a big deal. Like Brazil doesn't doesn't lose like this. <laughs> oh yeah, the, it was like there were memes all over the internet the last time I watched soccer or football. If he, the, the the World Cup. <laughs> I can't. I keep want to say soccer, and then I'm like, no football. No, no, you're right. like, you know what? World Cup. We understand. <laughs> although, football. although I would say the F in FIFA stands for football, so you know, <laughs> such is. Okay, so so we'll we'll go with football. There we go. Appreciate like, that. You know, last last time I last time I watched football, there were memes all over the internet saying, "Oh, how many how many." points in germany score and then they were like a brazilian and i was like <laughs> that's quite funny actually <laughs> tell you what wasn't funny and that was last week when we had to do some therapy live oh on the God. thing that i did leave it all in i got a message from carlo who said i was on the edge of my seat when the therapy came up and i said oh is it over yet he said i don't know it was he said uh but but things got a bit heated and you had to talk liam down <laughs> shortly before you got to the car chase scene and yeah that was that was the therapy session um I don't know. I mean, we, we do this every week, and sometimes we get people on good days. Sometimes we get people on bad days. And uh, as long as we walk away and go, and go, you know, we're, we're all still friends, and our friendship is much more important than the movie we're reviewing or the podcast episode we're doing. And it's not difficult if someone gets it a bit wrong. And I'm not saying that uh, 
someone did or didn't get it wrong last week i'll say but there's been times where i've definitely got it wrong and they were they were so bad we couldn't leave it in so i will just say that so if anyone's going oh i have done worse I have absolutely done worse, and I've been forgiven for worse. So there's no issues with anybody from last week whatsoever. So uh, we're all good. And if you're part of the pay, uh, of the PayPal, not PayPal, the Patreon, you got to see a photo of Georgia and Liam after they made up after the episode was <laughs> over. So there we go. Um, where are we at here? Dwayne Smith. Who would have thought a car chase scene could spark such an intense conversation, <laughs> enthralling to listen to, and a real example of the strong relationship you all have. Therapy and hugs. Said car chase scene seems to be what this film's reputation is solely built on. They appear to have put it uh, all the time and effort into perfecting the car chase scene, but have forgotten to focus on anything else else and then there was those people who talked about whamageddon from from georgia's perspective where she tried to we all came to an agreement you can't just walk into a room and hold your phone up to someone and say they're out of whamageddon they have to discover it through organic means you can't just like trap people so georgia had a conversation about whamageddon and she will not be trying to do that again once december 1st hits that's not that's not fair what is Whamageddon? So, I found out last year it hit Canada. I don't think it's hit the States. That's what Hermes was saying as well. So there's a song over here, Julene, by uh, Wham. Wham, you know, George, George Michael, Wham. And oh, yeah. it was uh, last Christmas I gave you my heart. And the, Now, the problem is it's played so much over here, they made a game out of it. So on December 1st, everybody's in the game. Now, it's, it's not like it's an official thing. You just play it sort of, you, you and your friends, you just sort of talk about it. And the deal is, if you hear Last Christmas by, by Wham at any point, you are now out of the game. So the, the thing is, can you make it to Christmas Day? If you get to Christmas Day or Christmas Eve, which one it is, then you can play all the George Michael you want and knock yourself out. But can you get to that situation? So it means, you know, how much radio are you listening to? Where are you going with this? And you try to get things a little bit sneaky. Now, Georgia, I think, went beyond the means <laughs> of what's supposed to happen. But the story I shared uh, last week was uh, I was at a so- the social club, with, not by myself for once, and they were playing Christmas songs on, on, on the TV. And I realized, I'm like, it's like December like 14th, and I'm not out. I was the only one who wasn't out yet. And I was like, I'm going to go home. I know it's not that good of a night where it was, it was an okay night, but it wasn't a great night. I was like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to walk home. And cause I know they're going to hit wham at some point. And I need to get out of here to keep my streak alive. <laughs> and so I got out and then a friend of the podcaster, Kev dog gave me a phone call and I know exactly what this is. It's playing live in the social club at that point. And if I picked up, I would have heard it through that. Now I think that counts. I think he's okay there because yeah. it was organically playing somewhere and he was just phoning me. That's very clever on his part, but I went, I'm not an amateur. I know exactly what you're doing. I did get knocked out like four days later, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's that, that's, so if you're out there and you're part of the BFE, I don't know how much Wham gets played in the States to be fair. So I don't know if it's really the same sort Literally, of thing. Like if you go to the grocery store, you will be out. Cause oh, that's, okay. that's a, yeah, it's right up there. It's like Mariah Carey, the, that song by Wham. And then, um, the, the one from mean girls, is it Jingle Bell? Jingle Bell Rock. So there you go. If you're part of the BFE and you're familiar with that song, let's play a game of Whamageddon together. Let's see who can make it through the Christmas season. Uh, I'm not going to bury myself away from, but I'll tell you what, you get in the car in the morning, you turn it on at first. If you're not hit that Bluetooth button yet, you might get hit. You absolutely might. I might have to change it to the BBC News just to make sure I don't get hit by Whamageddon starting I the car up. Go- 
during Christmas, if I'm going to the shop, I literally put my headphones in and crank it just in case because I used to work in a supermarket. Oh, yeah, if you, yeah, if you work at Tesco, yeah. you're done. There's no yeah. way. There's no yeah, way. Yeah, that was the thing. I got really lucky two years late in 2020. I don't know how. They're like, we're just not, they just weren't playing. Oh, okay. It. But they, they, they love playing Leona Lewis's, uh, one more sleep till Christmas. Like they will literally warn you, Julian, when they go to break. And after the break, we're going to be playing some wham just to let you know. And so we all know what song it is. So we all jump. <laughs> we all jump. If, the, if there was a station that went playing all the greatest Christmas hits and no wham, I, everybody would listen to that station. Yeah, yeah they really would. Or this is a wham free work day. <laughs> would be like, I'm in. Let's listen I to that station. I don't my Spotify anymore. So like when I'm like, play i can't i can't remove a song from my playlist anymore so i'm like i could get wham now i'm never gonna know there you go so let's do let's do some shout outs it's a small list this week first one to josh your next favorite movie who does great work give him a listen kev from the podcast that wouldn't die the happiest man in podcasting if i do say so (laughs) myself and then we're talking about some gift of the week uh the gift of the week was mustang and i'm giving the win to chris peterson this week (laughs) <laughs> who had a who had a gif of a little kid in a toy mustang hitting a child another child with it <laughs> that was funny uh but big shout outs to Anthony and davies scriptical pod who i think was their first go at it dwayne smith Dwayne Smith. there you go uh and russell the postie who put two entries in i'm like guy you can't just put two things in here he was really close though actually and a bonus win for carlo who posted a gif of he called it therapy time and it was the scene from jurassic world of um chris pratt and and, and the velociraptors and he was like this was this was ian last week trying to deal with the therapy session and i was like so a bonus win for carlo and a win for chris peterson well done folks i'm hoping a win for me this week in the fantasy football though ethan you i hate to break this to you you are like wales you cannot qualify for the next round no it's been about a month since you've been able to qualify for the next round but i've got a big matchup with reverend bruce this week and we're both in the in the in the fight of it i'm seventh he's fifth I think he's forgotten to change a running back. I might be in okay shape this week. Knock on all the wood. If I come last, I won't do it next year. And I'll, I'll be like Norwich. Yeah, I'll be can. out for a season, then I'll come back for the next one. As long, as long as you promise to put a lineup together. I don't mind if you I'll play a, next year. A, um, see, the thing is, now that I know what I'm doing, all right. I'm, 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 I'm this going is your, all in. This is your freebie. Next year, we're going to roast yeah. you more than we have. Uh, <laughs> Georgia at number six is playing Stu. And Stu woke up with a great roster. I don't know how that happened. But she's sixth. He's fourth. Top six teams make the playoffs. So then we've got the other part. So we've got Ethan's 12th playing Ed from the Film Effect in third. Uh-huh. And it looks like it's going to be an easy win, but not as easy as Alex from Main Street Finance, who's got Liam and looks like it's already a foregone conclusion. So no BFE versus BFE this week, but there we go. Uh, why not give us a review, Apple or Spotify? Someone help me out. I hear five is a magic number. Five. Five is a magic number thank you very much uh so why are we doing malcolm x because because julian came on board and said malcolm hey. x and i was like all right we tried to rearrange some dates oh first off how was your thanksgiving julian oh it was good honestly for us i i always tell my kids this is national day of mourning you know we we use it to give thanks that we have survived we are here and we spend time with our with our family so 
Um, my family went to Vegas because I was at my part-time that became full-time that turned into like a whole thing and they went to Vegas, but I surprised them. I hooked up a turkey and all their favorite stuff. I made a sweet potato pie, baked macaroni. Oh, I love the American macaroni. Yeah. Yeah. So they, they came home and found all their favorite all their favorite things. So here's what I want from you. I want your Mount Rushmore, your top, your, your, your four, your four best Thanksgiving foods. What would they be? Um, okay. My go-to, always my pumpkin pie, my, because I made this recipe and it's made from fresh pumpkin and the secret is coconut milk instead of like regular and, uh, coquito, uh, Oh, my cornbread stuffing. Whoa, I just, like, uh, I, 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 I gained five pounds just listening to those two words put together. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, my cornbread stuffing, but there's no sugar in it. Oh, okay. All, all my stuff is sugar free. It's made with honey. Okay. Oh, I'll be nice. Actually, and, cornbread with honey would be great. Yeah. It's honey and like coconut milk and baked macaroni and cheese. Like there I. You go. My baked macaroni and cheese recipe is like, and the pumpkin pie is like a family favorite. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I got to spend one Thanksgiving in the States uh, when I was about 20. And uh, what a celebration of family and food and uh, togetherness. It was, it was tremendous. I've never eaten so much in my life. So <laughs> I don't think we have anything here that's, that's comparable. I don't. Maybe Christmas dinner, but that really depends. Yeah, it depends. It's not not what I, I mean. It's 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 mm. it's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. yeah, I do I do mac and cheese for Christmas dinner now, but that's just because my girlfriend doesn't eat meat, so like she has to have her own little thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, a, in a previous relationship, I used to bring a mac and cheese and add it to the spread for mm. Christmas dinner. Because uh, the one year I was determined, I'm going to learn how to cook a really good American style mac and cheese, and so I did. Um, I'm sure it's not not a a touch on uh on Julene's family recipe but it it it, it does okay for uh for uh for me anyway um let's talk about uh Malcolm X Malcolm yeah. X Julene why did you want to do Malcolm X so much well um i i love the like i obviously Quentin Tarantino and Spike Lee are like my favorite like some of my favorite directors that's interesting cuz they don't get on I know. No, no. Spike Lee. I can't imagine why Spike Lee might have some Spike Lee's got some serious issues with Mr. Lee. I mean, with Mr. Tarantino, sorry. But, like, their work, like, that's some of my favorite work right there. And um, and so I was like, you know what? I did Quentin last last time. I'm going to pick a Spike Lee joint this time. But, I got like I couldn't find anything, and then I was like, "He did Malcolm X. That's right. This movie is a masterpiece." And your timing couldn't have been perfect or more perfect because uh, it actually just celebrated. It just it just crossed its thirty year anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Wow! I've known, but because of the because of what it banked, I guess I didn't I didn't look at it because I looked at the top grossing films for each of those years and kind of use that as my metric. And so I thought so it was the, it was literally November like fifteenth or something was the thirty year anniversary. I was like, the timing on this is is on point. And oh, wow. yeah, and so I mean, it's the kind of thing that you don't see a lot of podcasts doing either. So I've never seen Malcolm X. Ethan, did you see Malcolm X before? No, I, I, Malcolm X. Like we 
in the UK at least, we know about J- we know about uh, not JFK. We know about Kai- how we that we know about uh, MLK. We know about Martin Luther King, but we we never taught anything really about Malcolm X in the UK whatsoever. So everything I found out. I basically found out in like 2019 and 2020 through like just my own little thing. That is true. There's very yeah. little. Um, there's very little that we seem to have. Uh, in no- November, October, sorry, October in the UK, Julian, is Black History Month over here. Yeah. And so um, what happens? Like, star- like the uh, a lot of it sort of is more Brit- like even with Stonewall as well, we 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 cover Stonewall oh, yeah, well, when it's um, Black History Month too because of the... Yeah, so I think uh, we do yeah. tend to obviously steer the direction towards yeah. British Black History, but yeah. but comprehensive Black History as a whole as well. Yeah. Uh, but as part of that, you do get Martin Luther King. I mean, one of the walls in my school is a giant mural of Martin Luther King, mm. but you don't tend to hear so much about Malcolm X. That's because Malcolm X is a much more nuanced conversation. Yeah, whenever well, I as hear is about Martin, him in school, it would be very negative. As is Martin Luther King, because people do people stop martin luther king's quest at at i have a dream and and towards the end of his life he was starting to talk about financial disparities and looking at ways to redistribute wealth and no one talks about that everyone stops with you know i have a dream where black people white people will be judged uh, not only on their skin color but on the quality of their character or whatever i'm I'm, I'm sort of saying around the right word in there it's that and then also like the oh but he said that protest and rioting is bad you can't be violent i'm like He's nuanced. He did. He did actively argue for nonviolence. I yeah. mean, and, and, and to the extreme. But towards the end, he was sort of tweaking the argument, going, "You really can't have racial equality until we start looking at economic equality." And was going, "No, no, don't remember that. Don't remember that side of it." <laughs> uh, well, I have, a, you know, let's keep it towards the dreams. So then you get Malcolm X, who's so much more nuanced than even that, and then you're going, "Oh, wow." Yeah, um, Martin Luther King, towards the end of his life, he started talking about not just equality, but equity as well. Yeah. And he, and they shot him for it. And, you know, I'm not I'm not like some weird crackpot in the middle of the woods going, there's a shadow <laughs> government. But I 100 <laughs> percent believe that the government got Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Billie Holiday, because these people are black icons that fought for equal, not just equality, but equity. I've heard of similar rumblings, and I don't know where to go with this, but after Michael Jackson died, I did hear some people say that's another one because of black ownership of music and uh, power in the music industry. Uh, I mean, Michael, obviously, I don't know why I'm referring to him as, well, because Jackson's a little bit, there's so many Jacksons. Um, but Michael obviously had his list of, um, uh, I don't think it's a stretch to consider that mental health might have been an issue for, for Michael Jackson. Yeah. And, 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 and so therefore, you know, Michael Jackson, when it happened, I mean, were we shocked? Yes. When you looked at it and went, you know, if you said this, this, uh, of the following celebrities, one of these was going to die because he had, you'd be like, yeah, he, I, I, I wouldn't unforesee that. So, you know, whereas, whereas opposed to, I mean, some of these others where it's just literally, I mean, literally gunned down, right? Totally different story. I, I knew something was going to happen to Michael Jackson when I found out that, well, when I heard him singing, they don't care about us. And he was, he was referring to all these government politicians making promises 
to like the black community and not doing anything after they're elected. He wrote a song called they, they don't care about us. And then when he, when he came on and he owned, he ended up owning the masters to, was it like the Beatles? Yeah. And, and he, he owned like multiple, he owned the masters to multiple artists and he owned his own masters too. I mean, say what you want about Michael. The man was a brilliant business. Oh, Oh, businessman. Yeah, because he told <laughs> he totally sharks Paul McCartney out of his life, out of his music, because the story has it as told by Paul McCartney that he oh, was really I think they were doing what was that? Was it say, say, say? Was that the one they did together? I think it is. And they were on the set for that video. And he was telling them how the, the, the masters were coming up for auction and how he was going to get his music back finally. And then Michael totally sharks him behind his back and outbids him and gets the and gets the masters. Oh yeah, no like it was. It was like ruthless, cold-blooded businessman stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I didn't hear the story of how he ended yeah. up with the Masters. I just heard Paul he McCartney himself with- tipped them off. Oh man. Oh wow! Oh, that's messed. Speaking of making promises to the black community, though, that's a nice segue into uh, <laughs> Malcolm X himself. Um, the pitch biographical epic of the controversial and influential black nationalist leader from his early life and career as a small-time gangster to his ministry as a member of a nation of Islam, directed and co-written by Spike Lee. Spike Lee, I'm teaching my students right now do the right thing. Um, it's one I get to do every year. Really enjoy it. So. I like, Sorry. <laughs> I, I like me a Spike Lee joint. Fight the power. All that stuff. Good stuff. Um, obviously, he also did She's Gotta Have It, The 25th Hour, Inside Man, Black Klansman, He Got Game, lots of lots of collaborations with Samuel L. Jackson and with Denzel. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. White Man Can't Jump. Is White Man Can't Jump Spike Lee? I'm not sure it is, Julie. Is it? I don't, oh, wait, I don't, no, I don't, I I don't think I it is. I feel like it is, but I'm about to look. You take a look and let me know if I'm wrong. I'll, I'll hit that button if I'm wrong. Um, okay, okay, dope. Co-written by Arnold Pearl, who did a documentary on Malcolm X. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Cinematography by Ernest Dickerson, who I know was also the cinematographer on Do the uh, Right Thing, but also she's got to have it in Jungle Fever. I think Julian's about to tell me that I was right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to yield the yeah, floor yeah, for yeah. a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron Shelton. There we are. Ron Shelton. <laughs> so you can hit the button for me, though. There, okay, great. There's a mistake. I love it when people own the yellow button push. There we are. So uh, music by Terrence Blanchard, who also did Jungle Fever, 25th Hour, which is a great film. If no one's ever seen 25th Hour, you really should. Black Klansman and One Night in Miami, which which oh, which, wow. which Ethan and I both really liked when we yeah. did a Cedar Skip It on it. Yeah. So I still really, I, I want to see, it's his most recent film, but I want to see The Five Bloods, which uh, that was like 2020, I think. And it's. It's got Jonathan Majors in it, but it also is, it's one of Chad Boseman's last yeah, performances as well. Yeah. Um, talking about our, our three-hour marathon here. Um, <laughs> and it's a bit of a marathon getting it uh, sort of on the screen. So I got some a big context corner this week. So let's just give it a go here. Mm-hmm. Producer Marvin Wirth acquired the rights to the autobiography of Malcolm X in 1967. So we're talking, oh. what, like three, four years after his death? Like not very long, yeah. right? Worth had met Malcolm X, then called Detroit Red, as a teenager selling drugs in New York City. Worth was 15 at the time and was spending times around jazz clubs in the area. 
As Worth remembers, quote, he was selling grass. He was 16 or 17, but looked older. He was very witty, a funny guy, and he had this extraordinary charisma. A great dancer, a great dresser. He was very good looking, very, very tall. Girls always noticed him. He was quite a special guy. But the problem was the production had difficulties telling the entire story because there were all these unresolved questions surrounding his assassination. In 1971, Marvin Wirth made a well-received documentary, also called Malcolm X, which received an Academy Award nomination for Best Documentary. But with this, they still couldn't get the film version, the sort of like biopic version off the ground. Several major entertainers were attached to it at various points, including Richard Pryor. Oh, okay. And Eddie Murphy. So, huh. I, I went wrong. I rate Eddie Murphy, and I think I think he can do drama, but like you have to have the the right person for this, and I don't think Eddie Murphy's that guy. It's taken a like I watched uh, Dolomite is my name a couple years ago, yeah. and I think only now he's because he's really good in Dreamgirls. And, I haven't seen that, to be fair. Oh, he's really good. I, I hear he's good in it, yeah. Yeah, but like, he, and again, he's fantastic and Dolomite is my name, but I think this is what, 992, so, and you're filming in 1990. That, I don't think he's at that point yet. So in 1968, there was a screenplay commissioned uh, from a novelist, James Baldwin, who was later joined by a guy called Arnold Pearl. I said his name earlier, a screenwriter who'd been a victim of McCarthy-era blacklisting. So do you know what Mm -hmm. McCarthyism is, Ethan? I've heard the name, but I I, I wouldn't be able to, like, explain it at all. Julian, do you know what McCarthyism is? Is it yeah, isn't that when someone's like accused of being a communist That's and then exactly they get what it is. So That's yeah, yeah. what happened to Earth the Kid too. So and ba- Billy Holiday. So Ethan, you <laughs> yeah. you were in the crucible. The yeah, crucible uh, yeah, is a metaphor for McCarthyism, yeah. right? Accuse someone of being a communist, how do you prove yeah. you're not? You know, well you're not. Well that's what a communist would say. You know what I mean? So it's that sort of <laughs> yeah. stuff. So uh, the screenplay took longer than developed than anticipated, and Pearl died in 1971. He did complete a draft, but he died. Baldwin later developed his work into a screenplay, into a book called One Day When I Was Lost, uh, which was uh, an autobiography, again, on, my, on Malcolm X. Um, Baldwin wrote of his experience, quote, I think I would rather be horsewhipped or incarcerated in the forthright bedlam of Bellevue than repeat the adventure. So I don't think he had a good time with it. Uh, he died in 1987. Several of the people tried Drass but couldn't make it work until Spike Lee took over as director. He rewrote the, the Pearl script. Remember, Pearl dies in 1971. Spike Lee finds that script in the 80s and starts polishing it off. Um, so therefore, Malcolm X credits Pearl and Lee as the writers of the screenplay itself. Uh, so then once they finally got it off the ground, it was still controversial because of Malcolm X's public denunciation of whites in uh, before he goes to Mecca. As a result, there was a fear amongst mainstream Hollywood that he was too polarizing a figure to do a biopic for for the type of budget a feature film requires. So, um, but he had risen in prominence long after his death, especially during the reigns, reigns, presidencies of Ronald Reagan and George Herschel Walker Bush. Not the one who goes to Iraq the second time, but the one who's like, you know, no more taxes and all that stuff. Um, and so, so much so that the autobiography of Malcolm X's sales had increased 300% during this time Whoa. frame. 
um, and was a ninefold increase in sales between 1986 and 1991. So then they go, Spike Lee actually wasn't the first guy. They go to this other guy called Norman Jewison. And Norman Jewison's a Canadian director who did In the Heat of the Night. I've heard of that. And then everybody loses their mind because Norman Jewison is not black. And the th- ah, obviously, the, the, they're okay. sitting there going, this is a story, you know, a black director yeah. need, needs to tell. And chief among those people complaining was Spike Lee. And Spike <laughs> Lee had always considered um, the film adaptation of the autobiography of Malcolm X to be a dream project. So he, Jewison leaves the project. Uh, he kind of comes up with a reason. He's not bound to public pressure, but he's kind of bound to public pressure. And at least that's what Spike Lee felt. And so, uh, but he did say that he bowed out gracefully. Um, and so Jewison would get a chance to reunite with Denzel Washington for the hurricane years later. Um, and so Spike Lee was soon named the director and edited the script and said, direct quote, I'm directing this movie and I rewrote the script and I'm an artist and there's no two ways around it. This film is about Malcolm X is going to be my vision of a Malcolm X. It's not like I'm sitting on the mountain saying, screw everyone. This is the Malcolm X I see. I've done the research. I've talked to people who were there. Soon after he was named as the director, um, black nationalists started to um, produce criticism on it uh, because they wanted to preserve the legacy of Malcolm X. And so there was a protest in Harlem that drew over 200 people, and they based their opinion on Lee's previous films. I guess they felt he wasn't up for this sort of oomph of a film. Um, So um, there was a lot of uh, arguments there. Um, because the theory was that this was Sp- Spike Lee is not a working class director. Spike Lee came from a middle class upbringing. Mm. So the question was, can a middle class director make a film that would satisfy everybody in the story and not come across like it's made by a middle class director? At which point I would have said, have you seen do the right thing? <laughs> because do the right thing is, is, is not about middle class. Like he proved yeah. he can do working class um impoverished uh bedsty so i don't know why he can't do harlem um so at one point it was unclear whether the production would get the rights to even use malcolm x's speeches spike oh. spike lee said doing that would be like doing an elvis biopic without any elvis songs having just seen baz Luhrmann's elvis that would have been a crappy movie without the songs <laughs> um and so uh lee said he never envisioned anyone other than denzel washington in the title role so uh the other problem though was the budget the budget was only uh 30 million dollars and the studio would not go above it and in fact they offered a lower amount and francis ford coppola told spike lee to quote get the movie pregnant and so uh he says basically take it so far into production they can't shut it down once you're along the way and then ask for more money and so it was budgeted 28 it then grew to 33 million Spike Lee contributed $2 million of his own salary for it, and then the company went, no, you're not getting any more money, and it shut down to a halt in post-production. Oh, a complete, what? Completely shuts down. You can't edit the that. movie. There's no money to pay anybody. Bloody hell. And so then you get the financial interventions of prominent black Americans, and they help fund the film. They're not investing in it. They're not loaning money. They're just giving money so the film can be finished. I wish the first name on the list was not Bill Cosby, but it is Bill Cosby. <laughs> so, and this is part of the thing. Humans are, are multifaceted, and yeah. people who we would even think are, are bad people 
are capable of doing good things at times. And people who we consider good people are capable of doing bad things at times. Bill Cosby is still absolutely a monster. <laughs> he so absolutely is. But you have a thing. So Bill Cosby. But, I mean, look, the the B what is it? BKS killer had a family and yeah. children and raised them too. It's it, like people there are different sides of people. Yep. And so, like there there are you know, like uh, I'm I'm a I'm a forty year old mom that does a lot of things, but you know what? At the age of 19, I was also a hothead that got into many bar fights. There are do we hit different stages of our life when we grow. And, you know, we're not always great people to start off with as long as we end up good, like, you know, and learn. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. l- less problematic names on the list included Oprah Winfrey, yeah. Michael yeah. Jordan, Magic Johnson, Janet Jackson, Ray. Prince, Tracy Chapman, baby's got a fast car, and Peggy Cooper Kaffritz, founder of the Duke Ellington School of the Arts. Uh, Spike said, uh, this is not an investment. I will do the film the way it ought to be. It will be over three hours. That was the issue they were having because Warner Brothers wanted this to be much less. Uh, Warner Brothers were angry about how he he funded the movie because basically it blocked out Warner Brothers from having their... uh, um, they're saying it. And so their punishment to him was he didn't get to do Space Jam. No. Which I, I want to see the three hour. I want to see the three hour Space Jam where, um, you know, racial epithets are getting thrown around between Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan. That's the movie I want to see. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm full of rage now. God, I, wanna, I wish I wish Space, Man, was it Space Jam 2 was directed by Spike Lee. It, it wouldn't have been a directing thing, but he, he would have given it a rewrite. So, oh, oh, can you imagine? Oh, I need it. So a month before the film was released, Spike Lee asked media outlets to send only black journalists to interview him. The request proved controversial. While it was common practice for celebrities to pick specific interviewers they knew would be sympathetic to them, that was an individual-by-individual basis. You just said, send Fred, send Jim, send Holly, send whoever. But the idea you said, send black uh, interviewers only was jarring at the time, especially because a few institutions had no black interviewers, and that exposed that within hollywood and so a few of them came out and said it was really really good so the la times explained we couldn't give uh right sorry the editor premier magazine sorry noted the request created internal discussions because they said had we had a history of putting a lot of black writers on stories of the movie industry we'd be in a stronger position but we didn't it was an interesting challenge he laid down it caused some personnel changes quote we've hired a black writer and a black editor so it, it did create some some work um, I, I think I think that was the whole point because Spike Lee, even in his body of work and every interview, he's always very critical about like large, especially as like I've been writing since I was like 15 years old. He's always been very critical of of media outlets who tend to take a story like like take a controversial story in which you know, like a black man or woman gets gets cut down, beat down or or some injustice happens and it and it leans a certain way. And he's always been very vocally against the media that's biased. Like if uh, 
if a if a young if a young black man gets shot in the street, you know the media will portray him as some sort of hoodlum or a gangster. They'll pull up Facebook pictures where you know he's smoking weed or playing with guns or whatever. But then if someone who is like white does something like shoot a school, you know this is a tragedy. But Oh, he's a he was a good kid, disturbed young man. He was so quiet. You know, the story is always told. The narrative always changes. Yeah. Mike Lee has always been critical of the United States media, of Mm. the way they they present their information in such a biased manner. We actually had a chance to talk about this topic um, with uh, Michael Moore's uh, Bowling for Columbine. And he actually went into into some pretty big detail about if it's a black uh, victim or a black culprit versus a white victim Mm. or a white culprit. How are those stories presented and then how does that change the perspective and i think i talked about a general gentleman called gerbener who said yeah we get drip fed this information often enough it does change the way that you that you think that you perceive the media has this power to create the stereotype not just to 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 um profit from it but to actually create it and therefore there's there's responsibility within the media for 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 these representations we put out there was the club q shooter last week and every article I keep saying, he was very bullied as a child. And I'm like, that doesn't give you the nah. excuse to do a homophobic killing. But okay. Um, back to the review. Malcolm X's widow, <laughs> Dr. Betty Shabazz, served as a consultant to the film. The Fruit of Islam, the defense arm of the Nation of Islam, provided security for the film, which felt a strange call to scene kind of where you know, where this narrative was going to go. I, I, I don't know. I didn't do any research about what the Nation of Islam has done post the death of Malcolm X, and if there's been any sort of reconciliation with responsibilities and da 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 But it seemed an interesting choice. They also did security when Lee shot Do the Right Thing in Bed-Stuy uh, three years previous. Um, so the film was released in North America on November 18th, 1992, and then it was released in 93 uh, in Europe. So there we are. And then we have our deep dive. We'll start. We have an American flag, and it's burning. And we hear yeah. the voice of Malcolm X over the American flag and some some key quotes. He charges the white man with being the greatest murderer on this earth, the greatest kidnapper, the greatest robber, the greatest enslaver. Um, and he's speaking, obviously, to a black audience. You hear him say, you are not America. You are the victim of America. And as he's doing this, we're cross-cutting this with Rodney King footage of Rodney King getting beat down. So, Julian, if you're 40, I'm 43. So I remember Rodney King pretty dang well. And Rodney King would have been just a year or so before this. Yeah. So that that racial inequity and 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 the publicity and for the first time again like the you know cctv footage and how it's going to change the world and you know to a point now where we all have camera phones but you know seeing the brutality taking place it's also a sobering message to go this has been released what 25 years plus after the death of malcolm x and 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 where where let's say where are we where were we at that point let alone where are we now yeah i mean and think about it it's like that footage of Rodney King could have literally been, could have been anyone. I mean, George Floyd, that could have been, you know, Michael Brown. Like it, it could have, could have been 
um, you know, it could have been anybody. Yeah. Could have been Sterling. It could have been Sandra Bland, <sighs> um, Brianna Taylor. It it could have been anybody. The fact that this this the Rodney King the Rodney King assault happened over was it thirty years now? Is more than thirty about thirty years ago. Well, for us, it's over thirty years from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. and and we are still talking about the same things. Is very that that is very jarring for me. Yeah, uh, my students, like I said, we're doing do the right thing, and one of the things I do is I assign each of them um, sort of one of these. Uh, I, I say cases, but it's it's, it's more than just a case. It's 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 true reality. There's families out there. But everybody from Breonna Taylor to George Floyd to Emmett Till and and going, you know, let's take a look at this because you can't understand this movie without understanding the wider picture because this movie doesn't happen in a bubble as much as do the right thing is a one day movie. As much as Malcolm yeah. X is a story of one life, you don't. These things don't happen in a vacuum, and you have to realize how all these other things are playing into this and are considering and shaping this. Because we live over here in the UK, so a lot of this is kind of extraneous to them. They don't really know that. Yeah. The, the, so, if we do, it's we find out through social media. Yeah. So, so it's about let's 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 find some truth here, and um, yeah. So we usually start with Emmett Till to go look. This is this is how many years ago now? And then of course you finish with 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 George Floyd or or you know. <laughs> anything else that, that may have come, come come since because mm-hmm. you want to get the idea of like let's look at the 20 30 years before do the right thing and now it's the 30 years since do the right thing and tell me how much has changed in some parts of the world i mean it's uh it's yeah you know not not much see emma till's mother was brave because she she made an open casket so the entire world could see what how what how they mutilated and harmed her child. Now we have camera oh, phones, yeah. and the whole world's watching. Yeah. Now, 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 you do not have to travel far or rely on like what the media shows you, except because we we can videotape it ourselves. Yeah. They used to say in the sixties, the whole world is watching, and that is not a truer statement than it is today. Yeah. <laughs> um. As the flag burns, it burns into the shape of of an X. Great line, and and it speaks to the poetry of Malcolm X. And uh, I, I need to get a hold of some of these and just analyze. Maybe I can sneak them in as as, as as poems for like certain year groups because there's something in this. We've never seen democracy, only hypocrisy. I'm like, oh my word, that's that's amazing writing. Mm. We've never seen the American dream, only the American nightmare. So that was powerful as well. And then we jump to our first bit, Boston the war years and of course world war ii and we have this whiter than white coke advert on this billboard and then we pan down into a black boston neighborhood and there's a man with a shoe shine happening and he is wearing a zoot suit and we get shorty played by spike lee i always tell my students and do the right thing spike lee cannot act he was better in this than he was in do the right thing (laughs) I he wasn't being like asked to like carry the whole film. Sorry, you can go ahead. Buddy. I was I was writing the age game earlier this morning, and I was like, "Sure, no," and I had to like 
like go back in my mind to go, oh, yeah. No, I yeah, of course. He's okay in this. I mean, they're not don't ask him to do too much. Yeah, he could have been he could have been worse. Yeah. And at least in like his final scene, he doesn't really talk, he sort of just chuckles and yeah. and lets Denzel do all the talking. Julian, any thoughts on Spike Lee as the actor? I try not to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean it's he's not a great actor. Him as Shorty, I like honestly, I was like this must be the comedic relief. This is a serious film. This must be the comedy, the the lighten up the mood. <laughs> so uh, he goes into a barbershop with this bouncy walk. This bouncy walk. Right? What is this? And you see later, it's obviously a choice. It's obviously a choice because someone else is going to join him in a minute. But he goes into a barbershop and asks, uh, where's Homeboy? And Homeboy is Red, also known as Malcolm Little. Also, will be known as Malcolm X, played by Denzel Washington, one of the finest actors alive. Just full stop. Oh, yeah. He's on my short list. I mean, at some oh. point, we, we need to do like a real roundtable. It's like top 20 actors working today, male, and then top 20 actors working mm. female. Denzel. Denzel uh, Denzel's top five. He's got to be top five. Yeah. Or at least of my lifetime. Top five. Easy. But the guy's just money every time. Him and Tom Hanks. Well, I was going to say, which is why it's we, shocking. We've never done Philadelphia, but yeah. Yeah. I, Cause I was going to say, cause we talked about Philadelphia for the Tom Hanks real round. And cause that is, it's like they're fighting to be the, the best performance and they're just equal. I that. was really surprised when, when I watched uh, Philadelphia mm. for that Tom Hanks episode. Uh, I was really surprised. No one talks about Denzel. Mm. Everyone talks about Tom and Tom's great. Tom's great. Yeah. Denzel's amazing in that. It's so, it, I I want to I'd love to do that at some point because it was it was a powerful film to watch for the roundtable and just in a full discussion. Oh. Yeah, that'd be great. Denzel had previously played Malcolm X in a play called When the Chickens Come Home to Roost, which dealt with the relationship between Malcolm X and Elijah Muhammad. And so before that, he knew very little about it and had not read the autobiography of Malcolm X. He prepared by reading books and articles about Malcolm X and went over hours of tape and footage of speeches. Uh, Washington did get a warm review of his performance by uh, the New York Times. Upon being cast in the film, he interviewed uh, people who knew Malcolm X, among them Betty Shabazz and two of his brothers. Uh, Washington tried to focus on what he had in common with Malcolm X. Um, they were both around the same. Uh, Denzel was about the same age Malcolm X was when Malcolm X was assassinated. Both men were from large families. Both of their fathers were ministers. Both were raised primarily by their mothers. To prepare for his role, he stopped eating pork, attended the Fruit of Islam classes, and learned to lindy hop. He was so in character, he knew which pair of glasses Malcolm X was wearing on which day. And, uh, yeah, so that's that. I'm sorry, uh, Julian, I think you are trying to say something. I started talking about Denzel there. Oh, no, I was going to say during the interview, like a lot, there was a lot of criticism that this film was nominated for an Oscar, but didn't win that year. I believe it was like Carlito's Way or something that won. And he said he, you know, he's okay with the not winning because when he finally did win the Oscar, it was for... Was it Training Day? I think it was Denzel. Training Day. Yeah, Denzel. Yeah, Denzel wins yeah. for Training Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, they were talking about everybody's like, "Oh, he got robbed. He got robbed." But this man was so gracious. He's like, "I'm glad I didn't, you know, I didn't. I, I no, yeah." He said, "I'm, I'm glad I didn't win, win the Oscar this year. Like, I'm 100 okay with the fact that I won one for Training Day because." 
No, it wasn't Clark Lito's way. The, no. the one who won. I believe it's, is, is it Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman? Yes, Scent yeah. of a Woman. That's Hoo-ah! what it was. Like, yeah. <laughs> he, he lost. He was, so- what light? I'm in the dark here. That's who he loses to. Just Al Pacino oh. yelling. <laughs> but he was like, I'm, I'm okay. He was so gracious about it. Excellent. I, he, like, no hit. Full stop. It was like, oh, he got robbed. But he was like, no. This is a, a okay with me. <laughs> so a very fresh-faced Malcolm Little comes out from the back. He's getting some stuff put on his hair. I guess this is bleach. Is that what's getting put on his hair? I no, assume it's, oh. no, it's a straightener. How oh, is it? It's yeah. It, oh, of course. Because it, 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 it was making his hair. I noticed it made it straight as part of the process. But I thought it was not adding color as well. Um, or is he naturally redheaded? Because he was he had touches of red the whole way through, didn't he? Yeah, and he says his name's Red yeah. through the movie. I just um, that's a perm that he puts in his hair. You you hear how he talks about how it's like it's burning? burning. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's why back, back during that time, like the lye based perms. Oh, okay. Oh, lye. If it's lye, it absolutely would burn, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 They they have lye free perms now. Um, but yeah, and so uh, he he says it looks white, doesn't it? And now it's like, wow, there's a powerful metaphor about mm-hmm. the harm you do to yourself just to appear not as you are. I was like, that's hard. And then we get Malcolm's backstory uh, with the clan uh, surrounding his house with his pregnant mother in the smashed window, and uh, the clanmen ride off into the biggest moon since Joe versus the volcano. Like this moon was massive they're riding off into. It was like the Princess Bride, if it wasn't for the fact that it was so like, you know, clan like. <laughs> um so and then we get finally his father believed all black that a black men should to return that the goal should be to return to Africa rather than to stay in the States. Dad seems to you can see kind of where Malcolm part of his ideology yeah. seems to come from his dad, and the other part comes from Elijah Muhammad. But this part seems to be that side of it. And he talks about and he sort of I was sitting there going, they've cast a really light skinned actress as his mom, and I was like, That's an interesting choice. Not aware, and thankfully the narration helped me out with this. Um, his mother was fair-skinned because her mother was raped by a white man. And I was like, geez. Okay. Now, all this talk about, you know, he, he was very sweeping statement in the, in the majority of the film. We, we, have, we have statements about, you know, um, the white devil and the notion that it's, yeah. it's I don't work with any white people, full stop. And he does change on that as he goes on. But you look at his family history, and it would be really hard not to go down the same road, I think. Mm. You know, and again, he came up in a time where, like, it hadn't even been. Uh, he probably he had a probably had a grandmother or grandfather that was a slave. Like, it was yeah. not entirely out of the realm of possibility at our age. At our age, there is a like a great grandparent or or a you know, great, yeah, a great grandparent that could have either been a slave or owned a slave. Certainly. Thinking about that here in America. And I'm not saying like me, I'm like black indigenous. <laughs> Let, let's, uh, let's be, let's be for real. Like this, like my people didn't get here in the same, same way, but colonization brought me here just the same. 
and then and it's like that and people are like oh my god that was so long ago it it wasn't it it really wasn't <laughs> so you know for him to have that ideolo- ideology i i feel like i'm surprised he is not more extreme in the way he feels because the clansman according to this movie and his autobiography arrived at his home as a child multiple times his mother was a victim of rape and he proud and and if if i'm understanding correctly you know like he could have very well had had a grandfather or grandparent that was a slave too so yeah it starts off really well to sort of make you even if like you are white just to understand because i think i think like understanding of racism is a lot more easily accessible now i think just because of how much that we can see so i I, well you have access to everything yeah like youtube is the youtube is the great equalizer google wikipedia i mean we we learn we can learn so much more because of that i I wonder if this is in 1992 this is was a good way for audiences why audiences to go oh I can't. I don't get it, but I'm sort of seeing it. As a Canadian kid, I'd even I I didn't have a clue that there was someone called Malcolm X, and this then this came out and it gra- it gave you access to yeah. a conversation that all of a sudden popped up that we weren't getting taught in our schools. Um, yeah, for, I, I even know for what reason that would have or wouldn't have been, but um, yeah. So if you don't have, if you're not looking for it, and if you don't know it, how are you looking for yeah. it? You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's no way to access this stuff. So today we have access to everything all the time. At your, yeah, everything I'm, all the time, all at once. And these and these conversations are extremely nuanced to certain to America, certain parts of America. Like, you know, I can't. I came from the East Coast and moved here, and there's there's some things that are so nuanced. I don't even get here in the state I live in because it's like, what? Okay, I, okay. Like my my son asked me to help him with a project, a mission project. Tell me about a mission, and I was like, oh, that's that's when you have a goal and your platoon has to get together, create a plan, and then <laughs> not knowing that in California there are churches called missions. Yes. <laughs> yes like things are so nuanced within this country so i'm not surprised well, you, you that- take the experience of someone in philadelphia or new york and you compare that yeah. with the experience of someone in wyoming i mean two it- very different populations mm. very very different not only in terms of diversity but also in urbanization you know what i mean like it, it's it's america is such a You've got so many different. It's a country that's full of so many different, almost mini countries within it. Yeah, you can change your climate, you can change your diet, you can change it. All these things. If you decide, I'm, I'm, this is who I am. You can find a location that sort of lends itself to that. Politically, you can move to a red state or a blue state. You can choose. I'm going to move to this state. Yeah. Unless you go to Ohio, then you're a swing state. (laughs) (laughs) Well. You know, and you know what else um, I was going to say, like, even in the in the films that we grew up with, like um, one of your one of one of the people that listens to best film ever actually asked me if I 
if I pick these movies, like the my favorite movies on purpose to make to push like this conversation or to push an uncomfortable conversation, I was like, no, these are really just the movies I grew up loving. Yeah. Because you know that's that's why that's why I grew up on the East Coast. These are these are the movies that if you have not seen, we're taking your card. You like <laughs> you, you you no longer belong here. Yeah. Goodbye. Um. <laughs> I'll tell you, goodbye. I mean, we we go to the dance now, and Shorty was trying to say goodbye to this woman who was all over shorty at this dance she was all about him i thought she'd be a recurring character nope nope she was just a little bit of comic relief i think here and this dance was full of and this is like you've got red and shorty and they're both walking across in these zoot suits and they're doing the bouncy walk thing the little arm swing is yeah. so funny <laughs> they're like <laughs> what is this <laughs> And the crowd parts, and there's this white girl staring back at Malcolm, and we meet Sophia, played by Kate Vernon, who, for her role, I thought was quite good. Yeah. Um, she's a quintessential sort of blonde hair, blue-eyed girl of that time. Uh, she tells Red, referring to, I think her name is Laura or Lori, the girl he's kind of uh, also on a date with, to take that little girl home and come on back. And um, it says, don't run walk and it's like i'll be here i'll be waiting and there is this um so we can cut to him taking laura home and laura's figured it out you're going back to that white girl you're going back to that white girl because she's putting out and i don't do that and uh, he's like no no i'm i'm he starts yawning i'm really tired Uh." (laughs) um and so we cut no he's not that tired he's making out in the car with uh i'll tell you what uh i don't know where you were with this ethan i was convinced this was a trap i i thought she was was luring him to make out in the middle yeah i've just done this whole thing on on let the uh undo the right thing and And there's a bunch of stories and there's a bunch of stories about white girls who would purposely try and cause drama by inviting these 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 black teenagers into white neighborhoods just to see the white boys freak out and then violence happens and so i thought it was to be something like this so i was i was i was surprised but 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 relieved when that wasn't the case here I, I honestly thought there would be police waiting for him. Like it was going to be like, oh god, officer, no! Yeah. I, I, t- I, I thought it was going like to be one of those things. Help type thing. Yeah, she wants to know if she's the first white girl he's been with. He says no. Um, they start. She starts from talking. He says, "I don't like women who talk too much." I'm like, okay, there's a little bit of time that's changed here, isn't there? Yeah. Uh, we're like definitely not a trap though and we fast forward and they're kind of i don't know if they're living together but she's definitely spending time at his place and he's laying in bed and she brings him like breakfast i'm like good for you this has worked out well um and says he says i got you figured out you're a white girl who can't get enough uh black guys that that's that's your thing you're just hung up on black guys that's your gimmick and he says kiss my foot which was really weird because I thought it was Tarantino with the foot fetish. But <laughs> like we said, they got some stuff in common. Uh, and then he's like, feed me. And then he says, that's your story. How long is it going to be until you call rape on me? And I'm like, wow, that is some deep-seated distrust of the system. Because it seems like she's kind of smitten with him. She kissed his foot. She's feeding him. 
is that and it's 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 a story that's never left fully developed i guess because of the jail thing but it's kind of left hanging there i don't think she would have but it speaks to his experience growing up Mm. that this is what occurs malcolm x also used to say that um and i'm i'm saying malcolm x not me okay not me malcolm x will say that black men will date white women specifically because uh black women had their grandmothers had them in the house in the church they're not easy and he used to say that it was just easier to deal with a white woman and then it's almost like the revenge that a black man will take on the white man by sleeping with the women and making them bring them food and kiss their feet. It's like the revenge, but also he did say that black men will date white women because they're easier to deal with than a black woman, because he said, you know, they're not easy. You know, they're raised in the church. Their mama keeps them close and you know, but Malcolm X said that. Do not come for Julie. <laughs> <laughs> That's Malcolm X. Um, he says, "I bet you wish your grandmother could see you now, or I wish your grandmother could see you now." And she says, "I wish Lori could see us now." And it's like, "Oh, Lori's oh. still a thing." And then we cut to Lori and Red making out on the beach, and I'm like, "Their clothes would be filthy." <laughs> And beach sex is not cool okay like beach sex is not comfortable sex and i think she's I don't don't let films fool you and that's malcolm x talking again not julene folks so um i think she starts asking him for sex here but he turns her down and says wait for mr right wait for mr mm. right because she's she wants something from him that's for sure she's moved on a bit but i think he knows that I don't know. Maybe he's trying to do what he thinks is a decent thing by not by not having sex with her. I guess. But her story is one that ends really, really quite sadly and doesn't doesn't get any resolution either. I think the term they use a lot in media. I think it's called it was like uh, misogynoir, which is like specific misogyny uh, towards black women because they're treat they're they're treated terribly by by everyone uh bell hooks who was a black philosopher Mm. um talked about the the way that um women of color are much more sexualized in the media than their white counterparts and therefore storylines like this where they would be reduced to just their sexuality Mm. um isn't that unusual but then it leads to another again it's another image the media keeps putting Mm. out there so what's what are the ramifications of that or or a plot point like and um, I know, like, I'm gonna do it. I know we all we all spoke about Will Smith and talking about you know how how you know he he smacked the shit out of someone at the Oscars and and I was like you know what I'm okay with Will Smith doing this because when black women are not protected now I'm not saying Jada's not at fault but. The, this speaks to what, what you were saying, Ethan, is like black women are treated terribly. Mm-hmm. They're like the butt of the joke and, and they have no choice but to protect themselves. We have no choice but to protect ourselves. And so, you know, they like people look at us like we're aggressive, we're 
too masculine. We don't submit to our men, but what give me a space where I feel safe enough to do so because we're not treated, we're not treated well enough or safe enough to do this. So that there it is. And I feel like he, that's why Malcolm X felt like he was doing the right thing by not like violating this woman. He has no intention of moving forward with yeah, uh, I, I think it probably makes sense. Um, moving forward on our own here, um, we've got a flashback. Oh, Red's mom is raising the kids on their own. and There was kind of a, a thing in the middle, which I skipped over, because I think it's greater clarity here. She's Because you found out that uh, Malcolm's dad is killed. Um, and you find it in pieces. It kind of reverse in order tells the story, but she's by herself raising the kids. Malcolm is sent away to um, a white family, not a white family, but like a white like um, adoption foster home. Orphanage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's put into this class and he's the only black kid in the class. And this white teacher tells him, you know, let's keep your goals achievable. But he's like, I'm the smartest kid in the class. And I'll, you got to take his word for it, but I, I believe him. And he goes, no, no, I want to be a lawyer. He goes, no, no, it could wear your hands. People like you. And as a teacher, that just breaks, that just breaks my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, his mother, and then we have like a flash to like right now, and his mom looks like she's putting an asylum of some sort. She was in this white room, um, very small, very tiley. So, yeah, uh, they kind of leave it there. Um, but we go to, to the Joe Lewis fight. Joe Lewis fight. Sports. Sports are great. Sports. Uh, Joe Lewis is the heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, Ethan, I'm sure you managed to glean this, but Joe Lewis was 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 black. Yeah. Um, I never. Yeah. yeah. I, I was I was a sh- like the way that it seemed to be. Uh, and, and, and these are the things. I mean, these are things that unite. Um, mm. I mean, the World Cup's on right now. We talked about it earlier. But, you know, you find uh, individuals who sort of act as avatars for you in your real yeah. life. And to the black community at this time, you know, you can't, you know, when, when, when everything's so oppressed and downtrodden, Joe Lewis becomes a symbol of, so, he is the heavyweight champion, the most prestigious of all, of, all the cha- of all the weight classes, the heavyweight champion of the world. So there's something in in that. And then we cut to him trying to serve sandwiches. And it's this guy, and he calls him boy. Yeah. <sighs> That's something I never came across growing up in Canada or even when I, I didn't know that this was a thing until I was much older. Um, and it's that demeaning. It, it, it takes you from, from an, an adult and it puts you down at child level and it, it's yeah. interchangeable, isn't it? And so we have this fantasy he has of just shoving the sandwich in this guy's face, which for a moment, you don't know if it's a fantasy or not because they haven't done this. I went, did he really do that? And you find out, no, he didn't. And it just shows that impulse that he wants to stand up for his own dignity and his own humanity. But he's sort of enslaved to his paycheck, to his job, to his security. Mm-hmm. And if I do this one thing that is right and that I want to do, I lose this. And so you sort of sell your credibility bit by bit by bit, your integrity bit by bit by bit. Because the guy's even like, oh, why are you smiling so much for you? And obviously the reason is like because of uh, of the fight win. But also part of me is kind of imagining that he's every single... It's a performance. Passage, yeah, he's like, 
he's like part of that smile. He's you know, imagining like shoving the, what the, was the sandwich in the face and all that. I please to aim and I aim to please or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it's very performative, isn't it? Mm. Well, the, to, I, I find it interesting how they, it, it's like an, an interesting parallel, like John, Joe Lewis wins, they're on top of the world, but he still has to come yeah. back down to his reality mm. and say, yes, sir, Mr. Cooper, sir. Yeah, Mr. Like, yeah. yeah. Yes, sir, Mr. Cooper, sir. Yeah, I'll be. I'll get right on that. But, but Joe Lewis just won the heavyweight champion of the world. It's just like in I Know Why Cage Bird Sing. Joe Lewis won, but then they had to get off the road by the time the sun went down before they, because they would end up getting lynched. On the day that Joe Lewis won yeah. the champion of the world, so it's, I mean, that's why I think Malcolm X goes ahead and he puts the radio back on for a moment because for another moment he needs to go back into that world. Because sports yeah. is escapism. We talked about it already, mm-hmm. so yeah. it creates this idyllic world where not only are they equals in the sense that you know we're competing here represents us and we're competing for the heavyweight championship of the world, but but where we win. So uh, we go there. Um, there's a post fight rally in Harlem. This is the beauty of sports. Um, I once got Canada won a gold medal in ice hockey. It was the first time we'd won one in 50 something years, which sounds insane because it's Canada, but we wouldn't let the pros play forever. So we got the pros play. They finally won the gold medal. I was walking down my buddy Ed down to the middle of uh, Toronto and it was ghost town. No one was out. And within three minutes, all the local bars and stuff let out and we'd commandeered a fire truck and it was those peaceful just celebration of sports and you're high five and strangers. Oh, there's footage of it. I'll, 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 I'll tweet it out. There's footage of. Of, you don't see me but there's footage of the day and some of the stuff that we did and it's it's on youtube so i'll put it out there and that's the real that's the thing about sports it brings people together like that um unless you're england in which case then you go and you drink and you beat people up but uh, <laughs> but you know you know and, and joe lewis is from harlem so he's in, he's in the he's in the the i was gonna say mecca how's that for a for, for a metaphor for where we're going today but you know it was it was this it, it, it's the it's the center of 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 joe lewis's influence and then he goes into a cabaret club uh he assaults some guy with a, a bottle for for taking a shot at his mom and then he's bought a sandwich by a gentleman who's sitting in the corner, and we meet West Indian Archie, played by Delroy Lindo, who I thought was really good. I loved West Indian Archie in this. Oh, I was like, I know him. He played Detective Castlebeck and Gone in 60 Seconds. Oh, did he? I was like, it's Detective Castlebeck. I've never seen this. Um. He's surprised that Malcolm's heard of him all the way in Boston. Uh, they challenge him over his zoot suit. They absolutely challenge him over his zoot suit, and they make a deal. And he's going to bring he's going to bring uh, Malcolm on on the payroll and tells him, "Don't write anything down. File it in your head. If they have no paper, they have no proof." And that was an interesting. Um, I was like, "Wow!" Like, a it's foolproof, but b it's severe. Um, what about the the foreshadowing of remembering the number? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and so Red then goes to work for West Indian Charlie. They give him a new suit, so he's uh, a little less zooty. Uh, he's still writing a lot down, and Charlie calls him <laughs> out on it. And it's uh, it's Charlie who gives him his first hit of cocaine. And I was very surprised to see Sophia was still there at that point. But they get high. 
and they play shoot 'em up. And it was the second time we had this idea of guns being fired, and we heard diegetic actual gunshots mm. coming through, which I thought was obviously just a foreshadowing of the gunshots that will be coming yeah. at the end of the movie. Um, and so uh, Laura shows up at the cabaret, and she's got a oh, there's Laura from back home, and she's got a strung out boyfriend um the waitress who's also i mean he's juggling i don't know how many women malcolm's juggling at this point there's a waitress who uh who's supposed to go to the movies with him who he stands up and she thinks that laura will be hooking soon uh red's clearly still hung up on her as the one that got away at this point i've got my notes the audio mixing felt off on my copy because i had a hard time making out some of the dialogue in the first third of this movie oh really yeah i don't know if I, mean, I went back and rewound stuff and like would play it again i still wouldn't get it so i was like maybe it's just my ear i don't know i didn't have that well, but i also well, had headphones oh, did you have headphones in? okay yeah i rented it on youtube I, I didn't have it i signed up for a seven day free trial of one of those amazon channels and then as oh, soon as it was yeah. over i hit cancel thank you very much appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> um and then Red comes, uh, sorry, uh, Archie comes and sits down and Red says, you owe me six big ones, $600. Because when he's doing the cocaine, he says, and he moves all the numbers around, but it's like 821, 812, 128, 182. But these three numbers, and I don't know what, what he's doing with these numbers. Is this, I guess he's gambling? Is that what's happening here? I think so. Yeah. Gambling on, is it just a lottery? T- I have no idea why these three numbers matter so much. Honestly, there's always reference in these movies to these older movies to like running numbers and putting numbers. And I've I've never understood it. I like I've never gambled, though, even when I turned 21 and they said, hey, Jolene, you going to Mohegan or Fox Foxwood? I was like, yeah, I guess I'll go. But I took my money and went straight to the bar. And I was like, that's the only way I'm guaranteed to get something I want. <laughs> Interesting question. Ethan, you ever gamble, buddy? Uh, no. No, no I've not. No. Because this, this country's got a bed, multiple betting houses in, in every oh, yeah. every small the town. Ladbrokes you want to lay a bet Ladbrokes, down? Ladbrokes, yeah. yeah. We, we've, we've confirmed it. It's called Ladbrokes. Yeah. Uh, there's a Coral. <laughs> there's a William Hill. There's just sports betting parlors everywhere. Um, and then on top of that, I'm sure there's some casinos in some of the bigger cities. I wish, I desperately wish I was one of those people that put, put bets on who the next doctor would be. So there's at least seven people who put well, a bet down that I know have money. That's the thing. Then you've got like the, these, these online bingo things. Yeah. So you can like, gamble through your computer nonstop. Yeah. Oh, who's like gonna, if you were gam- dying, blah, blah, blah. If you're a gambling addict, companion. I don't know what you do in this country because you can't get away from it. You'd have to not use mm. the internet. Like yeah. it's all there's there's gambling at your disposal all the time. I so, watch Sky Sports and they're literally they they are sponsored yeah. by Sky Bet. Yeah. Like I I use the Sky Sports app to keep up, and then it's like, would you like to see the betting on? I'm like, no, I just want to see the score. I went through a phase where I played a lot of poker. Basketball, leave me alone. <laughs> I went through a phase where I played a lot of poker. And I was all right with that. And generally, I made money as opposed to losing money. But the feeling, I went to the casino once or twice. And the feeling I got after losing 60 bucks, I just felt sick. So I was like, I don't want to normalize this. Because otherwise, I, I, I might be one of those guys who chases good money after bad. Or bad money after good, whatever the phrase is. So, yeah, it's not it's not my thing. I'm, re- I'm really scared of, yeah. I'm really scared of, of vices. I'm so, scared of the person who kept betting for David Tennant to be the 11th 12th and 13th doctor yeah 
Because I keep seeing that. Thinking that and it's actual reality. And it's always like the number one bet everyone makes. Yeah. But I, I okay, David Tennant is my favorite doctor, but even I know he's never going to be the doctor again. But um, no, I I when I was teaching my son how to add and subtract, he was struggling in math. I taught him blackjack, <laughs> but. Uh, I did. I taught him blackjack, and uh, one time, one time, I got an entire bag of Jolly Ranchers off my kid. And then, then I taught him the trick of how for every for every card that's a five and under, you assign a number of negative one. For every number that's six, seven, eight, you assign a number of zero. And then eight, nine, or face card, eight, nine, ten, or face card. That's a positive one. And then if the number you, if every person, you add the number from every person around the table and the, the number is, uh, in, is positive, then you stay. If it's negative, if it's a negative number, then you hit. And then if it's still around zero, you've got a 50-50 shot. So, Someone who's in gamble, uh, you seem to have the, the perfect system figured out here. <laughs> I don't get because it's math. It's like statistics. <laughs> Statistically See, speaking, I did do a, a yeah. Oh, I, I was gonna say I did do a stats course in in uni, and all my poker playing, which I did before that, came in so handy. Oh, it was great. <laughs> I, I I even corrected the prof at one point. I was like, "No, you're not considering this." And he went, "Oh, because you know I was like, you've already oh, spent wow. that.' Because uh, he was like, "What are the odds of drawing a king?" One in thirteen. Great. What are the odds of drawing another king? And he went. So someone said one in thirteen. He went exactly. So you had to multiply one thirteenth by one thirteenth. I went. No, 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 no. It's not one in thirteen though. It's three out of fifty-one because you've already spent the one king. The one king's already on the table. So there's one less king to draw. So actually, three fifty-one is one seventeenth, not one thirteenth. So your odds are even more extreme. And he was like, I was like, yeah, I think I'm gonna do okay in this course. And I did, but it was just. <laughs> I'm, t- um, I'm telling you that, like, all cards is is really math. Yeah, if you have a good sense of math, you can do okay in most things. You know, is is it? You know, is it is it? Are the odds in your favor or not in your favor to stick around for another card? If they're not in your favor, get out. If they are in your favor, then go ahead and, and take it. It's, it's it's a low risk, high reward venture. And if you do that long enough and you play enough hands, you will win. It's just about making the sample size big enough that the statistic probability pays off. Yeah. There we go. This has been your gambling. uh, (laughs) This this part's been brought to you by Lad Brooks. Lad Brooks. (laughs) Bet on everything. All right. Here we go. Uh, This is your gambling lesson for the week. What do we have here? Um, Oh. So he uh, read us to go for a run. Uh, he's about to be, uh, so Charlie comes in, says, yeah, you lied. It wasn't your number, which I think it was. But I've got three guns on you. Uh, time to leave the club. And he just goes for a run. And no one had considered he might run away from us. Uh, so he gets out. And then we have a flashback to Malcolm's house being lit up by clan members in black robes this time. Not in white robes, but in black robes. And dad comes out with a gun and he shoots at them and his mom's like, you're a bad shot. And he's like, no, I was trying to scare him. They'll leave us alone now. 
and then the next we like smash cut yeah and smash it's horrible to say smash but yeah smash cut to him being hit in the back of the head with a rifle and then have his head forced down on the train track as the train approaches which we saw malcolm's mother complaining about earlier when they said it was kind of an open and closed case we go back to boston and i have to begrudgingly admit spike lee's a little better in this than let the right sorry then do the right do the right thing yep uh red has a power struggle with a guy called rudy and does some russian roulette which always reminds me of deer hunter and makes me agitated uh because i saw that way too young and it messed me up uh it turns out he palmed the bullet so he was never in any danger denzel's great in this scene denzel trying to play pretend like he's unhinged so good uh, they try to, to, to do the, the, the hair again, and the uh, lie is working, and he's a lot harder this time. You can tell he's not being affected by it until the water doesn't come on. And then he ends up putting his head in the toilet, and that's when the cops show up. And we find out the girls, because they're girls and they're white girls, they get two years, and the boys get 10 years for each count, 14 counts, but concurrently, so not 140 years, 10 years. <laughs> See, I had the same fit, fi- like, I, that's what I, I was thinking, the exact same as Spike Lee, because <laughs> I was like, bloody hell, that's a long time. I was asking myself, I was like, concurrent, consecutive, concurrent, consecutive, which one means which? No, concurrent means same time, consecutive means one after the other. Got it. So, yeah, um, so Shorty falls over, and uh, we don't see him for a while, and we go to prison where Red gets put in solitary because he won't recite his number. And we meet the chaplain. Ethan, do you recognize the chaplain? I feel I should have, but I didn't. Yeah, it's a small part, but this is Captain Von Trapp. What? No way. This is Christopher Plummer. Oh, Oh, man. He should have walked through going, Edelweiss, Edelweiss. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, See, I hear that was supposed to be Kevin Spacey, but they replaced him (laughs) at the last minute with Christopher Plummer. Yeah, it seems to be a pattern, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> no, he gives uh, he gives him a smoke, and uh, he says, "Let me tell you about you've always got a friend in Jesus." And man, does Denzel just let him? <laughs> and the minister just walks away. <laughs> He's heard this so before. Good. He's getting out. He was so upset too. But when the guards come by, he gives his number, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he goes for a shower all by his lonesome and he meets Brother Baines, played by Albert Hall, a really nuanced sort of part in this film. Well, I have a question though. Does he actually not remember the number? Or is he just like, no, I'm not a number, I have a name? I think it's the latter. My reading was it was the latter. And the I don't remember is just another one of those sort of things you should do when authority comes by. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because you could look down. You could, I mean, if you forgot it, you could literally just look down and just read it off your off your. I lapel. think as well because like the the character that we've that we've seen so far, like within Red, he he clearly hates authority as as he would. He has to be the one leading. Yeah. We saw that with Rudy. So yeah, he's not going to submit now. And I think it's an interesting parallel the way they do him because Malcolm X's whole ideology is that the, the prison pipeline is also slavery. And, you know, like in roots, that, that movie about um, with a uh, Kinte and they tried to change his name to Toby and they're like, he got whipped and beat up real bad. 
for refusing to answer to the name Toby. And he said, you know, he says, what's your name? The slave master kept saying, what's your name? And he would, he would say, Kunta Kinde. And then the slave master would beat the shit out of him and then ask him, what's your name? And he said, Kunta Kinte. And like, he refuses to accept the slave master's name for him, which is what this scene remind me of. What's your number? I don't know. What's your number? Yeah. And then he'd be like, okay, stay in solitary for a while. I think it's also, it's obviously a commentary about the, um, yeah, the stripping of identity. I mean, if you look at the statistics, the black communities, and especially black males, are incarcerated at a rate much higher. It's like eight times the rate, or something like that. It's it's a ridiculous number compared to their white counterparts for similar crimes. So um, yeah, uh, so I think we see why that would be a pushback, and why, and why there's a commentary Lee might be doing there. Um, so we meet Brother Baines up at Albert Hall. He gives Red nutmeg for his cocaine addiction. Didn't know nutmeg was a cocaine surrogate, but there you go. <laughs> the more you know, kids. I love nutmeg. Um, and so uh, he tells me, he says, the white man sees you and laughs because you are not white. Talking about him with his, with his hair. Uh, Red then finally starts to listen to Baines. Uh, Baines is a totally made-up character. Baines did not exist. Oh, Baines okay. is Baines is an amalgamation of like several other people. But the person who actually leads Malcolm X to the Nation of Islam is his uh, brother and sister. So there oh, we are. Okay, it's uh, kind of like King Catching with if you can, like Tom. Um, Tom Hanks's character doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's like Tom Hanks is essentially the however many people were. He just represents the personification of the yeah. FBI. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they read the dictionary about the words white and black, and I was like, okay, okay. Uh, and then Red begins his study, uh, and he reads by corridor light, and he's completely changed. And he gets asked by Brother Baines, "Who are you?" He's like, "I don't know. I'm not Red, and I'm not Malcolm Little." And he sort of talks about what we were talking about earlier with, um, well, just literally about, you know, do, do, do you take the name that you're given, which one of his forefathers would have been. And so he, we find out later in the movie, they don't ever make it a big thing all at once. Like, here's the moment where I've changed my name. But at some point, this, he starts going by Malcolm X, and X is the, the, the designation he will accept until he returns to Africa and gets his, gets his finds out who he really is. Uh He's asked if there's ever a white man who hasn't done his him harm. And I'll tell you what, in this movie, hard. But the last, so there's a flash of a lot of faces we've seen. The teacher, the, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of who else there was. There was quite a few of them. The teacher, the woman who worked for the foster home, uh, a few others, the cops. And then we, we get to uh, the last one, Sophia. And I'm like, I don't think Sophia did you harm, buddy. I don't think. Do we think? Mm. I don't know. I th- I think we didn't see that she did, but I think. Well, hang on, no. We, 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 we can't infer. We only do yeah. what the movie tells oh, us, yeah, or at no, least I'm, leads us to. Saying. We can't create things. Oh no, I'm saying we never we never saw that. We never see her explicitly do anything. But I think because of the fact that he's in prison and there's some links sort of to her, I think as well just because of what he's being taught. Maybe okay. Julia, am I I missing something? During the deer hunter scene, he, when he's acting that way, and, you know, he's he's pulling rank and scaring people, you see Sophia there, and she's all turned on and 
loving this. And it's, it's an interesting parallel to Malcolm X's theology and belief that it is the white man and women's goal to lead the black man to harm his own people. And like, you see her smiling and biting her lip, like, okay. She doesn't doesn't tell him to do it though. Does she, he kind of does it and she's just kind of turned on by it. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's a little bit messed up when you find out that he was faking it the whole time and she's still legitimately turned on. But yeah, that just makes like, her a bit wacko. Yeah, I, I always, I, I don't know. I, fe- I felt like that, and then, and then in every scene, like where she's, she's just kind of egging him on. Like the first time he does cocaine, it's given to him by by someone he looks to like a mentor, yep. like the West Indian Charlie. Um, what Charlie? Yeah. Is it Charlie? I think it's Charlie. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Well, I wanted to call him Archie. Oh, it is Archie. You're right. You're right. So, okay, yeah. So it's every time he has a mentor, the mentor, you know, she's there egging him on to do the wrong thing. Oh yeah, ha ha ha. Yeah, let's play with guns. Let's let's go. You know, let's go bang some rails and play with guns and steal for. And I don't. I don't think. I, I want to remember whether he said the number or not, because like the whole movie, I was like, but did he actually screw over Archie or no? I, like, I, I thought if he did, we would have had a conversation between the two of them saying, let's let's he never writes anything down. We can get him. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I missed something. If you're out there, folks, and you know it better than I do, get a hold of me. Let me know. Uh, let us yeah. know. Um, Malcolm converts to Islam he gives up the white poison their alcohol their drugs their meat their women and then he says you gotta pray five times a day he's like I can't do that and I was like wow that's the thing because that's the part of me like (laughs) like, yeah the prayer thing that's the first thing you think of yeah okay I can do that the whole like no eating pork I'm like ooh that's a tricky one I really like pork I, I have not had pork since 2004 five or six really oh yeah do you think pork's like a bigger part of the british diet ethan i think it sausages is, are such a staple yeah british like british pork is such that also like christmas dinner i'm like my my i have a list of everything we need to get for christmas oh. there's at least three different pork products also on that list. also keep in mind this is a country where there's been issues with beef yeah and if there's been issues with beef beef, then your next like staple it's chicken or it's pork in it we had we had we had the uh, the horses being in our lasagna kind of thing (laughs) that wasn't really a conscious choice but yes yeah but like yeah chicken and pork i think are our main thing because lamb is more of a easter thing that is a seasonal food we eat more lamb here than they do in the, in the states or canada yeah. as well i'll say yeah that. yeah yeah we, we just eat less beef i think if i'm I being eat, honest yeah I, I had pork for dinner like last night or the night before yeah like that that is my one of the easiest things to cook for me well i don't i don't know like for me i almost had a stroke when i was pregnant with my son because of my blood pressure and that's because um the diet of you know both filipinos and spanish is a lot of there's a lot of pork in it and i mean it just it wasn't good it it affected my health in a way that was negative so ever since i i almost had a stroke giving birth to my child like i was like i'm not touching this food anymore (laughs) 
Well, Malcolm agrees with you because he's not doing it. He gives it up. Uh, then he receives a letter from Elijah Muhammad, and he gets a vision of Elijah Muhammad, and uh, figures after that vision he can pray, like Paul on the road to Damascus. And I'm like, ah, I get this. I get. I get me a biblical reference. Here we are. <laughs> so I, uh, I didn't understand that scene because Elijah Muhammad's uh, like, yes, there was a prophet named Elijah Muhammad, but the like the dude the person he was seeing was a dude he was he was a dude he was just a person yeah it seems that for some reason malcolm x does see a vision or at least that's what we're shown here um in 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 the bible paul is on the road to damascus and gets knocked off his uh his donkey i think and uh is he struck blind he might be struck blind but anyway he's told he, he hears from god that he needs to go and do his work and he was either called Saul, and then his name is changed to Paul. I think that's what it is. I think he's Saul, and then he's Paul. Um, and then he changes, and it was a very similar. So it's kind of this sort of um, equality they're sort of taking on there. Uh, Malcolm then takes all of his hair off and shares his new faith. He writes letters trying to convert <laughs> East Indian Archie and Shorty and a bunch of others, and they're all laughing at him, which was a really fun little scene, actually. Um <laughs> Malcolm then says, I've committed my life to telling the white devil the truth to his face. And we see him in prison. He's speaking to um, Captain Von Trapp. And basically wants to know, was Jesus black? And is God black? And this notion that God's a skin color is just insane to me. It's just insane. The idea that God's white. I'm like, like, Jesus, I'm pretty sure Jesus is black. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> it's that part of the world. Uh, the lightest you're getting is olive skinned. You know what I mean? Like, you're not getting, you're not getting blonde, white, blue eyed Jesus. That, that is, that is I mean, a fallacy. <laughs> they, you know, they say he was born in Bethlehem and he lived in Nazareth. Like that part of the country is like Africa now, like that 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 was in africa i believe yeah if if, uh, if i'm not if, if if my geography knowledge serves me correctly like that place is now like like your your israel your i like your iran your iraq like yep. it, that that's in africa that's like egypt's right there too and then even in the bible said that jesus had like hair like wool yep skin like like um like sand yeah i mean there's not even there's just this this dude with like blonde hair long flowing locks uh whiter than white skin walking around there is just insane um so uh, malcolm gets out uh he goes to meet elijah muhammad and there's a great and denzel just does it all by not speaking but he just cries and uh, Elijah Muhammad is played by Al Freeman Jr., who, for what the role is, is very, very good, I thought. Yeah. And then Malcolm X starts to preach on the streets. And if you look carefully, you can see Bobby Seal, founder of the Black Panthers, and the Reverend Al Sharpton also preaching on the streets. <laughs> oh, I never, I didn't notice Al Sharpton at all, but that's something. Yeah. That's, I love you, that. said, you said Bobby Seal. I always thought, uh, was it Huey P. Newman founded the Black Panthers? Uh, I, I, the research of Bobby Seale, founder of the Black Panthers. Maybe he was one of the founders or a founder. Um, he then goes to churches and like, 
people are coming out of their regular church service, like you know, Baptist <laughs> or whatever it is. And he's like, what have you been doing? You've been sitting on your knees for two hours. You hear from God? You haven't heard from God because they want you to believe this. Come to a temple. And most of them are like, no, but he gets a couple who go, yeah, all right. And then he goes to the unemployment lines and gets the women from there and does the same sort of spiel. Um, and while he's down there, um, he's, uh, oh, I'm jumping ahead. So we go to the temple. And well, that's a temple. I was like, oh, that sounds fancy. No, temple just seems to mean any place they're gathering, they call temple. <laughs> oh, yep. okay. So it says here, and look at that. He was also shot. That's terrible. Okay, so Huey P. Newton founded the Black Panther Party, and he wrote um, the party's 10-point manifesto with Bobby Seale in 1966. Oh, there we go. So kind of co-founders, I guess, or or at least yeah. he, or at least Bobby Seale got in on the ground floor, if nothing else. Yeah. So um, we then go to, uh, and we get so many great moments of speeches where I've heard the, I know the soundbite, but I don't know where it was from. So one of them is the great example. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. That was that was a powerful thing. See, this is one of those things where I knew the and parody. I don't know if parody is the right word. It's not the wrong word. If you've ever seen Robin Hood Men in Tights, yeah, Dave. <laughs> so they're trying to recruit a bunch of guys to come and join Robin Hood and his merry men, right? And so Robin Hood comes out and he does a speech, and his speech is um, Winston Churchill. Right, never have so yeah. many given so much for so few. Um, and very, very old English. We shall not flag or fail. Uh, very big speech over here. Mm. But then Dave Chappelle, because that is Dave Chappelle playing at you, comes up and he gives his speech. And his speech is from Mal- is Malcolm X, and he says, "We didn't land on Sherwood Forest. Sherwood Forest landed on us." So I knew that before I knew what he was referencing, because I was like, what, 13 when Robin Hood Men in Tights comes out? So I don't know about Malcolm X, because like we said, everything everywhere all the time. We don't have that yet. So Mm. what was the first thing I was exposed to? Robin Hood Men in Tights. I knew it was some sort of a black civil rights leader, but I think all probably I knew about that point was probably uh, Martin Luther King Jr. And I went, it's not his cadence. That's not what he's doing here. He's doing someone else, but I didn't know who it was. So years years later, of course, I, I come across the quotes from Malcolm X, and we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. You know, we didn't choose to come over here. This wasn't this wasn't our end end destination. We were brought here. We were forcibly brought here. Yeah, I like when when I refer to slavery, and I'm trying to make it like kind of understandable and not too heavy for like my teens i call it the involuntary immigration system it's about as it's about as kind of euphemism as you can come up with for that yeah i just you know because they're kids like yeah it's bad enough i had to have like the talk with them so young just to keep them safe like there there's other things like i just kind of want to like ease into teaching them i remember i got a phone call from my son's school because for his uh, his Thanksgiving project, he, he made a diorama. Now, I'm thinking he's hard at work at this thing, right? American schools love dioramas. Like, I'm thinking he's hard at work. I was like, oh, he's painting stuff. And then I get a phone. I was like, good luck. I'm so proud of you for how hard you work. Spent hours in the library. The teacher calls me and says, um, I need to talk to you about your son's project. And I was like, 
oh. I said, well, I took him to the library. What's the problem? And I get there. His diorama is featuring a massacre. Massacre? Oh. Yeah. He, he, he actually used the word genocide in his presentation. <laughs> so, you know, the kid, kids are not kids are very like perceptive yep. and they have mm. access to things so it's like that's the thing as much, <laughs> as much as i try like i try and like ease into certain things it's hard because the information's out there it is <laughs> um oh <laughs> yeah for uh what the go ahead. what this has to do with malcolm x is even even when you try and like soften the blow like there will be references all over the place to this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what else is out there. Shorty was out there in the back row <laughs> trying to hang out. And uh, you kind of get oh, Shorty's going to Shorty's going to going to find the faith. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> He's having lunch them for two minutes. He's like, you want to go in the alley and do some coke? <laughs> He's like, read the room. No, I don't. I really don't. Uh, we find out all the old gang is pretty much dead, and he stops by and visits East Indian Archie. And Archie says we weren't going to shoot yet. And Archie's obviously had a stroke of some sort, I guess, because yeah. he can't move his arm, can't speak that well, and he he had everything from the outside. And then you jump forward a few years, and he's got nothing, nothing whatsoever. Um, it's it's kind of like you do wrong, you get wrong. I think. I mean, not everybody believes that, but I do. And the, well, no, I'm 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 a big believer in reaping and sowing. I am, I am. Um, Malcolm goes walking down by the prostitutes, and he doesn't see Lori, but we see Lori. And the last thing we see Lori do is she goes into a little alleyway with some oh, guy. Yeah. She drops to her knees, and the camera sort of fades out. But she's doing exactly the girl who yeah. wouldn't put out is now hooking yeah. because that's. I, I I guess the range of possible outcomes. The guys become gangsters and the girls become prostitutes. Well, that and that's that's what they want. That's what, according to Malcolm X, that's what the man wants you to believe. Is that that's it? What? It's just like when you when you leave the hood, that's it for you. Like you'll never make it out. You'll never be anything but this there's only there's only one or two ways out the hood and that's what malcolm x is saying they want you to believe it's really interesting i'm teaching uh, a christmas carol right now and there's a passage in the second third stave third stave when the second ghost is finishing up with scrooge and he shows these two children underneath his uh skirts and uh, one of them is a boy called ignorance and a girl called want and the and it's basically stated that you know if if left without assistance the boys will turn into criminals and the girls will turn into prostitutes. And uh, because if you have no money and no recourse, what else are you going to do? So it was really interesting to see a, uh, a parallel between um, Malcolm X and uh, Victorian era London. Well, they say prostitution is one of the oldest, yeah, the oldest um, profession. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, and so, um, he preaches some more, uh, <laughs> I've got some woman in the back row is very excited by him. And it turns out to be Betty Shabazz played by Angela Bassett, who we just had for uh, black Panther. Yeah. 
Auntie Angie. Yeah. Uh, final season of ER, Angela Bassett. Um, oh. Yeah, she was on that, yeah. Uh, we see Malcolm is uh, regurgitating Elijah Muhammad's perspective on the role of women to her, and she seems to be okay with it. They've got a connection. She says that she's got in her mind she just wants to be a good Muslim, a good nurse, and a good wife. And just as they're vibing on each other, eating their ice cream, they're interrupted because Brother Johnson was attacked by the police. And we cut to right in the middle of this bit where he's finding out the story. But we don't know necessarily it's him they're speaking to because they're using whip pans to go between the two uh, actors telling the story. And it gets a good feeling about how overwhelmed he is by and all this question of Muslims talk a good game, but they never do anything. And so Malcolm decides we're going to do something. And he leads the men on a march down to the police station. And they get down there, and the cops are like, we haven't seen, we don't, we don't have him. And he goes, look outside, and there's like 30 guys outside. He's like, we're not moving until we can be sure that Brother Johnson's got the medical help he needs. Turns out, yeah, he's there. Someone else must have put it in the book. And when I say he's there, it means he's in the alley. And Malcolm demands an ambulance and gets the ambulance. Uh, so they march to the hospital. And then he's the hospital. He tells a cop that he's not satisfied uh, until he finds out that he's got the best medical care they can. And he says this to a captain, and the captain is played by Peter Boyle. I don't imagine Ethan might know this, but Julene, did you recognize this is the this is the the father from Everybody Loves Raymond? No, <laughs> this is is, is it oh. Frank? Is his name Frank? Yeah, because yeah, oh, but the brothers. It's not. No, it's like Roy or something. There's the brother, isn't it? The brother? Uh, uh, yeah. um, I think it's an R, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was talking about this. Sh- I was literally talking about Everyone Loves Raymond like this morning. Oh, right, oh yeah. So this is the yeah. dad. This is the, 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 the old cranky <laughs> dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh that's cool. <laughs> so yeah, he comes out and tries to disperse them. Turns out Johnson will live. Uh, some young man seems inspired, but uh, Raymond's dad thinks that Malcolm's too powerful. No one man, because he makes like a move and they all like, march off. I said, no one should have that much power. Um, and so Malcolm gets a promotion. He's going to become Elijah Muhammad's national minister. Malcolm pledges his very life in a voiceover to Elijah Muhammad and then pledges his very life to Betty Shabazz by asking her to marry him. Over the phone. Yeah, over the phone. (laughs) Yeah. Will you marry me? Yes. Did you hear the question? Did you hear the answer? Her (laughs) pillow talk was, you were so serious when I first met you. Oh, I thought, how could a man so young be so, why so serious? And then she says, I want to have many babies with you. And then they get married. Yeah. Yep. Um, There's another big speech uh, where he says, every vice comes from the white person. The drugs, you have to get permission from a white person to get drugs. You have to get permission from a white person to have a prostitute. And every alcohol, it's a government seal you break before you drink that. And his entire speech is shot over shots of police brutality white police brutality on black people we see the little rock nine uh which when we were on you were on one of the last times julian we talked about how i met mini gene brown tricky uh, the one who got kicked out of the little rock in, in, uh, one of the first uh, ones in the assimilate brown versus board of education 
Uh, but we see footage of that. We see footage of the Woolworth lunch counters. We see Dr. King preaching uh, nonviolence. We see the fire hoses in Birmingham. We see all these things as we the, hear the, the speech. Yeah, you have a dog's. Um, and then we go to TV. I'm obviously not going to finish the entire thing, but he asks, he's on there with another prominent black leader, it feels, on like some sort of talk show. And he says to this guy, what do you call a black man who's got a BA or a Bachelor of Science or an MA or a PhD? Oh. And he goes, I don't know, what do you call him? And he says, and he uses the N-word. And he says, because that's what they call him, and there's no difference to that. And he says, we are changing the definition. We are changing what it means beyond that because it, so he makes the claim for we you know the only thing that that matches now is a hundred percent segregation not desegregation giving us our own community and just keeping us separate because it's not working because you guys have but, all you guys have, have have all the cards but i think like redlining and the education and wage gap proved that it was it was separate. It wasn't equal. Oh, not even <laughs> remotely. <laughs> I teach my students about this all the time, and I go, separate but equal. Here we go. Ready? We're all doing To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay, great. This class over here, we're going to give you book copies of it. It's a little bit worn. Some pages are falling out, but you're okay. This class over here, you're all getting iPads with, with it on it. And by the way, you can also use it to log on and do your homework. Hey, it's equal. You all got To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> that's the level of kind of disparity for as far as what they can see so um the ministers um we get a warning to elijah muhammad where the ministers feel that malcolm's getting too much press and his aspirations that he himself wants to lead the nation of islam which if you listen to anything he's saying everything comes with the prophet elijah muhammad says so i don't know how that's the case uh, Malcolm is stopped by a white woman who wants to help and is then dismissed imminently. Uh, I did find a quote that said he re- he actually really regretted turning this woman away later on in life oh, and okay. said there was a message okay. here that could I think it's him after he goes on his uh, on his pilgrimage to Mecca and he thinks back mm. at this woman and goes we missed something here. There was opportunities for for inroads. Uh, not everything had to be so blanket statement. Um yeah, because she comes over and goes, I just want to help however I can. How can I? He just goes, you can't, and just walks by her. bit heartbreaking. Um, a bigger speech yet. There's a giant painting of Elijah Muhammad, and uh, uh, Elijah's going to preach, it would seem, in a minute. It's a raucous rally, and uh, he's stopped by a man who asks if he's Elijah Muhammad's pimp, and Malcolm doesn't <laughs> know what he's talking about. <laughs> And he's like, I feel sorry for you, man. And they, the, he's muscled out. And this should be the part where everybody else's antennas are going, whoa, 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 whoa. Malcolm goes home and there's printed news about two paternity request, test requests from former secretaries. Betty asks him, hey, have you noticed that you're not in your own newspaper? The newspaper you helped f- found, you're never, you're on every other newspaper, but you're not in your own. Have you thought about about uh, Brother Baines? And he goes, I owe everything to Brother Baines. He saved my life. And at which point I'm like, I get you. I get how you'd always have that loyalty, but there is a, a very willful blind eye here. And she even says, why do they all have new cars? Now, what would have been great, I think, for me, Julene, from a film perspective, would have been, I need, let me see them in their new cars and let me see him not seeing it. 
You know what I mean? Like, because in a minute he's like, oh, it seems like he knows all about the, the rumors at that point. And I'm like, but when the guy calls him a pimp, he's not like, no, no, that's a lie. He's like, what are you, what are you talking? He's confused. So there's a little bit here, which this like two minutes, I would have, I would have tweaked. I, I, did, I, I don't know if I like how it came out. I, I would have liked to see them in their new cars. I would have liked to see him reading a paper or something and mm. be like, dang. Don't I own this paper? You know, something. Something, because it was just a whole lot of exposition in a fight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it turns out this argument never took place. Huh. Uh, Betty Shabazz said she and Malcolm never argued or raised their voices at one another, and she always supported her husband at every turn. Because at one point, he kind of yells at her, and when she yells back, he goes, I will not have you raise your voice in my house. And I'm like, well, this isn't very equal. No. <laughs> um Malcolm then goes visiting. He does some some uh, sleuthing. And he visits both mothers who said that Elijah Muhammad uh you know, we did what we did willfully, but we just want to we just want like our kids to be taken care of. That's all we want. And they also said, yeah, um again, more lazy exposition, I think. Oh, when he was here, they said you were like a son, but he said you were becoming too dangerous. This feels like a lot to give away to just someone it seems like you're having somewhat casual ish sex with yeah yeah i i just kind of figured this was the movie's way of telling me what was going on yeah that's what i mean it, it, the information has to get to the audience this is the way they chose to do it i just kind of went I'd, I'd rather you came up with something mm-hmm. a bit more organic uh, especially because he's about to have a meeting with Baines. It could have happened here. Uh, we have a showdown with Baines, and um, he challenges him, saying that, remember back when we were in prison, and I said, what's the hustle? And you said, Novus is God's word. Still God's words. So it's starting to feel like a hustle. And uh, Baines points out some of the flawed men in the Bible. David slept with Bathsheba, and still everybody remembers him for killing Goliath. Solomon, wisest man in the Bible, had over 700 wives. Um, and so he says, you know, Elijah Muhammad says he must plant his seed in fertile soil. That was rough. Yeah. And so Malcolm struggles now because he's like, I get death. Death. I understand. I can't even get my head around betrayal. I never conceived it. How do I do this? Well, that's the, if he thinks about it, like all his role models kind of let him down. Yep. All of them, every last one of them. Like, even though like his father died, his airstats father was like uh, West Indian Archie, and he let him down. Then it was Baines, and he let him down. And then Elijah, who he almost worshipped, yeah. also let him down. Um. So he does go home and tells his wife. He tries to spin the same argument. Well, you know, David and so, and he can't do it. He tries to do the same argument. He just can't bring himself to do it. He's a man of too many principles. Um, and so um, we then move to the assassination of JFK. And I mean, Malcolm X is pulling no punches here. He's smiling, yeah. going, "You reap what you sow." Chickens coming home to roost. He says, "Doesn't make you sad." He said, "Chickens coming home to roost never made me sad. In fact, it only made me glad." And so Elijah Muhammad calls him in and goes, you've made things hard for Muslims because John F. Kennedy is beloved and you now opposed the nation of Islam as an enemy to John F. Kennedy. And that's not going to work for us. 
Uh, he's been silenced for 90 days. He's also coughing up a lung, although we never see him die or hear reports of him dying, but I guess he's headed that way. Uh, all the yeah, footage. Like very death rally. Yeah. All the footage of JFK's assassination is actually from the Oliver Stone film JFK from 1991. Huh. Just for. Just, I imagine it was the same studio. So just repurposing it. Oh. Um, he goes home and there's a crank call. We can see from a cutaway they're being taped. We don't know by who, but, you know. Take two guesses. Who's going to tape you? Mm. Um, his side minister, a guy called Sydney, was says, I was given a mission. I'm supposed to blow you up. I'm not going to blow you up, but I'm supposed to blow you up. Uh, and then he sent home. I mean, Malcolm X is like, go back to your father. I'm like, Gee, I don't think I'd be doing that. I'd be like, you, you tell you what, you keep finding me out all the ways they're going to kill me. And you let me know. <laughs> That'll be my push. Oh, I'd want to know. Yeah. Uh, oh, but yeah sends him back as an order and then malcolm x leaves the nation of islam i'm guessing rather than be silenced he does this so he now speaks for himself and says i no longer speak evil of other black leaders because he was hard on uh on dr king and oh, other yeah. other you know jim crow right these other jim crow leaders like wow um he's gonna found his own mosque muslim mosque incorporated uh malcolm then declares he's gonna go to mecca and he does he goes on a pilgrimage and notices two guys, white guys, following Mecca. So Egypt, first of all, figures they must be um, must be CIA. And then it looks like he really does get, at least the movie would have us believe, this spiritual re-energizing and refinement of what his belief is when yeah. he's in Mecca. Because he's thrown by white Muslims who are just as committed to his faith as he is. And going, how do I reconcile this? Because I've been saying all white men are the problem. And he says, I now have to deal with a situation where white people aren't the problem. There are, there are quote unquote exceptions to the rule. And how do I, how do I reconcile that? Um, and so he, then he goes to this idea. I think he's got this one wrong. Malcolm predicts that uh, the, the young, uh, young black America, the young generation in general, that spiritualism will help with the movement of black Americans. They're going to get more and more into spiritualism as the decades go on. I think, I, I mean, what's your read on that, Julian? My impulse was to go from an, an outsider's perspective, we spent a little bit of time in the States, to go, it feels like it, like, 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 like all other nations, it went the other way. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, think- sorry, go ahead. I don't believe spiritualism like saved us. I think people became less spiritual as time went on, which is interesting because a lot of people try and say United States should declare themselves like a Christian country. And I was like, no, United States has always been built on the idea that it is a free country to do, to do whatever religion you want i will say religion is a much bigger part of a discourse in the states than it is in canada and definitely it is in england england's oh, yeah. england's so clinically not the the only time that we ever have any mention of religion is basically if someone in the royal family gives a gives a speech or if we sing god save the insert king or queen yeah um i, I was talking to a colleague the other day about obviously there's a lot of uh, biblical imagery in classic english literature and I'm like, we need to start thinking about doing like a Bible 101 class because I used the reference to the Garden of Eden and like three kids knew what I was talking about. And I'm like, well, you're not going to understand this poem. Let's let's unpack the Garden of Eden first, shall we? And whereas 15 years ago, 10 years ago, kids would have known that. Mm. They don't know that well, anymore. 
I can't talk. I went to a Catholic school for the first two years of my secondary school. So that kind of stuff was just ingrained into yeah. my head. Yeah, yeah. You never forget that, especially if yeah. you were raised Catholic. Oh, I wasn't. But, I just happened to go to a Catholic school. Yeah. <laughs> it it, when you hear, may the force be with you, do you have to fight the urge to say it? And also with you. you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, well, no, because there's, there's like this John Mulaney, but I always think of, because at some point they change it from and also with you <laughs> to with your spirit. And in your, yeah, in your no spirit. one told us. Wait, is that a thing now? Yeah, no. So there was a point where it was st- it went from being um may may the lord be with you and also with you uh, to and with your spirit oh i don't know so. yeah and, and, and there's this whole confusion of oh i guess over the summer we all decided that we'd be saying this now so my final <laughs> year before i changed schools i was going and also we uh, we uh you <laughs> i just gave up uh <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, I I went. I mean, all, all my church experience is like pro, is like a, a, um, drop downs of Protestantism. So much much more quiet and just sitting there and just let us know. We don't, we don't even do all that kneeling and back up. It's just kind of we sit or we stand and then we sit and then we go home and that's kind of what happens. There. Um. So church is like stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, kneel. Neil Stan, yeah. Neil Stan. I w- again. I went to a uh, to a midnight mass. I think with my aunt one year for Christmas. And yeah, it was like, can I just get a list of like when we're going to do these things? Because you guys all seem to know this, and I'm just feel like I'm already like, um, um, oh, what's what I'm thinking of here? Awkward isn't the right word, but it's like when you can't move, discord, uh, coordinate, coordinate. What's what? Uh, not coordinate, uncoordinated enough. That like I'm I'm bad enough even if, if I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but like if it's uh, something where like I don't know the dance steps ahead of time in regards to this, yeah, I'm in a lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, he no longer subscribes to sweeping indictments regarding white people. Uh, he says he's all about the idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to all, which is interesting because that's that's right out of the Constitution, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And so it's the first time he's sort of embracing sort of these fundamental American tenets as well. Uh, uh, so note about Mecca. Uh, Malcolm X is the first non-documentary and the first American film to be given permission to film in Mecca. A second unit film crew was uh, was hired to film in Mecca because you had to be a Muslim to get in, and Spike Lee is not a Muslim. Lee fought very hard to get filming in Mecca. Warner Brothers originally refused to put the money up. New Jersey was considered as an alternative. <laughs> you know, they say New Jersey's the Mecca of the West. No. Jeez. Kevin Smith. Jersey, Staten Island. I'm still. Yeah. Uh, Garden State. Uh, in the end, yeah. Lee got his money and permission to film in Mecca. Uh, Malcolm then comes home, says he's going to ask the U.S. to bring charges against America for their treatment of black people over the centuries. He says it's hypocritical for everybody in the U.N. to be standing up and pointing a finger at South Africa and their apartheid, which, of course, they should. But if you're going to do that, you got to deal with the American problem, he says. And uh, that's that. He also uh, stands up against a reporter who says, what are, you, what are you doing telling black men to arm themselves? And I thought we were going to get the classic quote. It never happens in this film, Julian. We are nonviolent with those who are nonviolent with us. We never got that quote in the, in the movie. And it's a very famous Malcolm X quote. I thought it was coming yeah. here. That was disappointing. Like, I was really expecting that quote. 
That's the one that, that I think everybody knows more because that's what defines what's the difference between Martin Luther King Jr. kids and Malcolm X. Martin Luther King is nonviolent. Malcolm X was okay with the use of violence as a retaliatory measure or as a protective measure. That was, yeah. that was my only knowledge. He said, he said, we have the right to defend ourselves. Yep. And he, he taught, he like, he preached to the black community self-love while Martin Luther King. It's interesting. He said, love your enemy, love your neighbor. But Malcolm X was always like, love yourself first. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, he gets a phone call at the house saying that he's a dead man. So he apologizes to his wife for not being the husband and father he should have been. And you can feel we're ramping into the third act here. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm's house is unset alight, and we get cross-cut into his own childhood situation like this. And then Baines is interviewed by the press and says it's a press stunt by Malcolm X. Like, you've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. We cut to... We cut to five men with guns. The music says these aren't the good guys. Uh, we see that the phone calls are being taped, and Malcolm's like, he gets asked by one of his assistants, we you start frisking people. He's like, no, we're not frisking people. Kind of wish he'd chosen to frisk people. Uh, it's about individual rights and freedoms, I suppose, but yeah. Um, there's a... Uh, and about the foreshadowing in the beginning when West Indian Archie tells him, to frisk him and then shows him. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can yeah, frisk yeah. me, but I can and still hide a gun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, foreshadowing. Uh, we go to the Dubon ballroom. There's a dance, kind of full circle from where we started. Uh, lots of phone calls. There's a 360 degree tilt on Malcolm as he waits for the phone to ring there. He's, the, the, him and his wife are being mentally tortured by people phoning. I do ask why they don't unplug the phone. It seems beyond me. You wouldn't just do that. Uh, yeah. Ma- Malcolm rings his wife and says, this can't just be the nation of Islam anymore. Someone else has got to be in on this. We, which is the perfect timing for us to see the CIA listening in and laughing about it, which makes it seem obviously really cold. We hear a change is going to come by Sam Cooke. Ethan, I'm sure you remember that from uh, One yeah, Night in Miami. I was, well, I remember, I can't remember who it was. But I swear I saw something, something that was like, watch the first, like, two and a half hours of malcolm x then watch one night in miami and then finish off watching malcolm x <laughs> Dude, i feel like i saw that somewhere but yeah. i can't remember because it's been like a year and a half uh one of malcolm's girls drops her doll and gustavo fring and moff gideon pick up the doll and give it back to her did i didn't you, even re- i'm did you not notice that 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 is i didn't notice that no that is giancarlo esposito i love that man so much um so we get the double dolly shot um of spike uh, sorry of malcolm x outside which is spike lee's signature shot mm. um i guess it shows just how outside of his own head he is right now how he feels eternity on him what is it uh what is it from hamilton history has its eyes on you yeah yeah it's kind of one of those yeah. moments isn't it and he feels he's on the cusp you know he's writing like he's going out of time he's speaking like he's running out of time it's it's, it's all very yeah. there's some parallels there um some woman sees him and says, Jesus will protect you. And I'm like, oh, it's like we've gone full circle back to the prison now. Mm. Uh, Malcolm's got a bad feeling. He says to his assistant, it feels like it's a time for martyrs. I shouldn't go out there today. <sighs> he does yell at some woman about not something not being ready and makes nice before he goes out there. And then he goes out there for his speech. And you can see it's been set up. So someone across the room shouts, get your hand out of my pocket. 
that draws the attention of everybody. Mm-hmm. Another person hits a smoke bomb that draws another attention from everybody. So this allows Gustavo Fring then. Uh, no, it's not Gustavo Fring. Wendell Pierce. Wendell Pierce. I love Wendell Pierce. Why is he a bad guy in this? Wendell I Pierce. Know about what's he been in? Wendell Pierce. If you look him up, he's been a lot of things. Uh, he was in the Michael J. Fox sitcom. I can tell you that oh, much. What family ties? No, no. The family. the Michael J. Fox oh, show. The act- oh, oh, yeah. oh. Wendell Pierce has been in. Oh, I have to look it up now because it's there. Wendell like I'm Pierce. There is American actor. He has been in. Oh, he's a handsome man. He's in The Wire, I believe. Yes, he is in The Wire. Oh, yeah. I need to go Jack Ryan, The Wire, Suits. Horrible Bosses. Selma, The Money Pits. Oh, he was in Waiting to Excel. He played the dude of the, 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 the bear. The bear. The bear dude. The bear dude. Yeah, the, it was the, the dude who hooked up with Whitney Houston's character, and he was growling, and, and she was like, great, I'm a I'm a zookeeper at the motherfucking zoo. <laughs> Excellent. I'm just looking to see if there's anything else I see here. Oh, I was hoping maybe like an episode of Friends or something like that. So I can go, what's Packer? this episode? But nothing here. He's in Bullworth. Oh, Bullworth is good. <laughs> People don't talk about Bullworth enough. Bullworth is fantastic. He yeah. was not in Stay Alive. No way. I love that horror film. I'm, if, if ever there was a terrible film that... You know, I would say, oh, my God, I love the film. It, it'd be staying alive. And I know it's a terrible film, but it's also, it's so terrible, it's awesome. <laughs> so Wendell Pierce yeah. from, from from Stay Alive uh, shoots him, <laughs> like, with a shotgun at close range. And then Giancarlo Esposito and just, like, empties every gun he has into him. Um, like, without, like, there's no, it was, like, the instructions clearly leave no doubt he is dead. Um, the names of all three assassins charged with the assassination are listed in the final credits, for what it's worth. And then we go to real news footage uh, of Dr. King and documentary footage. Um, and there's a voice that reads over it in such a speech. It was too long for me to do all at once, but it's by Ozzie Davis. And Ozzie Davis wrote and delivered the eulogy at Malcolm X's funeral service in 65. And it's a speech about transcending uh, one label and replacing it with Afro-American. And um, then we get a bunch of kids at a school saying, I am Malcolm X. Felt like a redo to me, Julene, of the racial slur tirade from Do the Right Thing. When they all look at the camera and they just sort of, you know, are as racist as it can get. Um, Then Nelson Mandela, not playing himself, playing a teacher, says, uh, as Brother Malcolm said, we declare our rights of the earth to be a man to be a human being, to be given the rights of a human being, to be respected as a human being in this society, on this earth, in this day, which we intend to bring into existence. And then we cut to Malcolm X saying, by any means necessary. Apparently, from what my research suggested, they had to cut because Nelson Mandela wouldn't say by any means necessary. Oh. Oh wow! Because that's the thing about Nelson Mandela. I mean, you know that sort of like militant style. That's not really he. Yeah. You think of him as much more of a uh, a Dr. King sort of figure. So much so that we have three corridors in the school I teach in, dedicated to three great leaders. One of whom is Emmeline Pankhurst, who um, helped achieve the right for women to vote in this country. The second one is. Uh, uh, Nelson Mandela, and the third one's Dr. King. So, you know, those are the 
those are the easy ones because they don't they don't deal with by any means necessary because yeah. kids kids have strong senses of judgment and will definitely uh you know if you talk by any means necessary off they go um so yeah it, and, and kids are smart yep. they'll take it as far as you allow them to again for example my kids project yes <laughs> Um, there's yeah. no there's no mention of Louis Farrakhan, who I don't really know much about Louis Farrakhan, but I know his name appears in Do the Right Thing. Uh, but any mention of him was removed after receive after Lee received specific direct threats from him, so oh. he bowed out. Um, uh, looking back on the experience of making Malcolm X and the pr- pressure he felt to produce an accurate film, Spike Lee jokingly stated in the DVD audio commentary when his movie was released, he and Denzel had their passports ready in case they had to flee the country. And Regina King auditioned unsuccessfully for a role in this film. It was an experience she told The Hollywood Reporter was the worst audition of her career. Regina King would later make a directorial debut with One Night in Miami, which features Malcolm X as one of the lead characters. And so that was an interesting Mm. bit of of serendipity on the back end there. So... Regina Regina King is a queen, okay? She is just... She's amazing. Regina King is a queen, and we are yeah. in the end game now. Um, Julene, Julene, we need a random word from you. Um, random word of the day. We'll say, hmm. Um, Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Ooh. Rock. There you go, folks. Best of luck out there, Plymouth Rock. I have no idea what's going to come out of our way. We will see. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to see what happens. There we go. Uh, the money, money, money. $35 million budget. What does this film take home? Ooh. Well, you said You said earlier it didn't make that much, so I'm going to say 60. You're closest, 73. Whoa! So, due to the budget issues and the cost of promotion, because that doesn't go into the into the budget. Plus, they don't get all the money back from the gross. Some of that goes to the movie theater, obviously. Uh, it's estimated Warner Brothers claims the film lost over thirty million dollars. So, I guess I had to make up about triple its budget in order to actually break even. So, uh, nominated for two Oscars, Julian told us about one of them, which was Best Actor. Nominated only for one other Oscar. Any ideas? Um, uh, I want to say best screenplay. Nope. Yeah, I was. Gonna... Oh, cinematography. No, I'm how impressed I was with the cinematography in this. Actually, I can't really remember what? anything about the score, so I can't even. Uh... No, it was it was costume design of all things. Okay, I really? guess I, I guess yeah. it's it, it could because it, it it does go over such a a range of decades. Right, we yeah. start in the '40s and we go to the mid '60s. So there's lots of things you can do there. Um, yeah. So there's that. Well, the total screen time of two hours, twenty-one minutes, and fifty-eight seconds. Denzel Washington's performance is the longest to ever be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor. No actor's been on oh. on screen more, at least at that time. I'm curious. I'm curious how long Castaway was. Because I think Tom Hanks got nominated for Castaway. He was never going to win because it would be the third on the trot. But I was curious if he was on screen more than that. Because that, that whole first half of the movie is just him. 
Uh, uh, just a note on the costuming. One thing I noticed, and like I can definitely see how they would like it, is the coloring of the costumes. You can tell, like, the difference between when he was just young and stupid and doing stupid things. Like, the colors are bright and, you know, they stand out and almost careless. And he's always brighter than everyone else on screen when he's young and doing dumb things than when he was in prison. He just it just went dark, yeah. just faded. Then when he got enlightenment, they started putting him in bright colors again. But this time it's like bright white, bright gray suits. <laughs> um, usually, oh, who's cast is who? Not really appropriate with this film. <laughs> so, does this film have a villain problem? It's hard. I mean, it, it, it's a real story, isn't it? Um, I think you always feel that, you know, Elijah Muhammad's not what he's cracked up to be. I don't know if it had a villain problem, but it had a problem in it just sort of dropped it on me that he was the villain. Some random guy just stands up and says this, and then, you know, they have the argument at home, and now he's a villain. Mm. Um, what should this film have been called? It should have been called exactly what it was, Malcolm X. A lot of our endgame stuff is kind of self-explanatory with a biopic. What's the story here? Oh, it's the story of Malcolm X. Yeah. <laughs> um, roll of women. Let's go to that. Julian, roll of women in this film. Well, um, I want to say it's not great because all the women introduced here either get him in trouble, get him end up prostitutes, Except for except for Sister Shabazz, Doctor Betty Shabazz is like I felt like she should have had more screen time. She's a whole doctor, like she's got yep. a whole PhD. She is an icon in and of herself, and I didn't feel like this movie did her any justice. She is always like just a, I guess, a supporting role to Malcolm X, just. The, the woman he comes home to, the woman who holds him up and challenges him. And that's a pretty strong woman role, but just her story by itself is a standalone. They could do a biopic on her. <laughs> Something about Do the Right Thing, which I'll link to this. I'm not sure Spike Lee does women well. I, no, not based off those two. 25th Hour? No. Inside Man? I mean, Jodie Foster's a great actress. But I'm not sure he writes women. So I'm not sure Spike Lee writes women well. I, I just don't. The the, no. the female lead and lead, if you can even in Black Klansman is she is just there to make him question like his allegiance with the with the police. I mean, I'll admit that like, son. Oh yeah, exactly. I'll admit that she doesn't. Um, I'll admit that she. I think his son's in this. I think his son's one of the kids in this at one point. Oh, um, I think like, it's like she's got to have it. I think obviously there's going to be something that, I've never seen it, but I imagine that it's, it's got to lead that. But when he's trying to say a bigger thing about bigger ideas, it seems like it becomes stories about men and the women totally and not like the good way. Like, I guess in do, in, in uh, do the right thing, mother sisters there, but like Mookie's sister has like no agency at all. 
Like I'm on a whole, I go on a whole rant when I teach this about about how he gives <laughs> he gives his his sister is played by his actual sister, and oh. he gives her like no agency. She's the older sister, and yet he treats her like she's a child. Oh, it's brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, yeah. see, I'm not sure he writes women well. I don't. Yeah. Uh, it would have been good. It would have been good to get more about his mother, but she's kind of just here's two scenes and she's gone. Yeah. yeah, there's there's so many so many black stories about a woman that is a product of slavery that just loses her mind. That makes me feel like there must have been a real person that this happened to that they tell the story over and over again because this story, the story of a woman who's a product of slavery or a victim of slavery that just ends up in a mental institution. Yeah. This, this is a retold story like over and over again. So there's gotta be a real person that that's like that. But the role of women here, I feel isn't great, even though Dr. Betty Shabazz is a really strong character. She's not written strong in this movie. Um, best character. Now, I'm I'm assuming we're all going to say Malcolm X because it, it pretty much has to be with the amount yeah. of screen time you got. So, best character not named Malcolm X, and you can't be cheap and go Malcolm Little or Red. You have to go with uh, you have to go with another character in the movie. Uh, Ethan, you want to start us off? I feel awful saying this, but I was really interested whenever he was on the screen was um. Elijah Muhammad. Okay. One, because he is just the worst by the end, and I found that such an interesting turn from when I first am introduced to him. And I don't know, that was, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Julian? I would say Dr. Betty Shabazz, because she, even though Malcolm X was written as kind of a misogynist, mm-hmm. she challenges him anyway. Yeah. She raises her voice at him. She challenges him. She tells him something bad's coming, even if he doesn't want to hear it. And when he says, like, lower your voice, she lowers her voice, but she keeps talking. Nope. Yeah. Um, good call. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with... I really, for what he was, I really liked East India Archie. Yeah, I, I thought he was good. Uh, honorable mention to Laura, who I thought was going to have more of a narrative function, even if he saw her and just couldn't rescue her, and that was something that haunted him. I could have gone with that. I just felt something. I, I, oh, I thought they were going somewhere with that. So I, I was really invested in that. Uh, best moment, best element. Hmm. You know, for its length, I didn't really feel it. It was very hundred yeah, percent agree was, with you. It was such an easy investment, and I, I was, I was taken on the entire time. I was like, really I, having to sort of big myself up to start it, so I started early yeah. this morning, and then I got like an hour in, and I was like, it "Doesn't feel like an hour," and I'm still really switched on by this. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember when when we were talking about this last week, we were like, "Oh, we, we might need to take shifts." Yeah. And, like, what? and I I started on Tuesday, and I was like, "Okay, I get like." It's like almost like a Netflix show out forty five minutes, <laughs> and and, I, and it was Tuesday, and I got to and I went, oh shit, it was great. 
I I did do a shift only because I wanted to get some McDonald's breakfast and, and yeah. it's at eleven o'clock. So in this country, so I did leave at ten thirty five and went and got some uh, went and got some breakfast. But no, I did uh, for the most part. I was able to just like power through it, and even taking notes. Uh, it wasn't that bad because a comedy, it's all about the dialogue. This there's a lot of moments where it's faces and, and grief and acting and so that was all right too but no it was paced really well i thought the three hours kind of as much as three hours can i thought it flew by um mine would go because i'm trying to jump in here anyway so I'll go ahead uh, mine would be the speeches i mean you can't go wrong with the, the speeches and some of those great turns of phrase that come from the real source material like i said it would be like how do you do elvis without the songs how do you do michael max without the speeches and and they're fantastic and so it was great to have to have those julian best moment element um best element was the parallels the film drew between malcolm x and other civil rights leaders of the time because you know you they put martin luther king's speeches and then the the film montages of the civil rights movement as well so you can get kind of like a picture of what's happening and what has brought us to this boiling point where he feels this way at this time excellent um grumble ethan you got grumble I think this is, this is totally up to how you view biopics and everything, but the first 45 minutes was like such a jump between time. I was kind of struggling to catch up at points, but when I realized what was happening, like I fully, I fully got on, but it's that like shift between the two store. I like when stories like intertwine because they're very related, but it kind of just was stop here, begin here, stop stop and then continue here stop continue and i think that's just more how i how i prefer my narrative in a biopic yep julian any rebels um i really felt like they did dr betty shabazz dirty like and then they don't even refer to her as her proper title dr betty shabazz every time it's always you know betty saunders or yeah. you know sister betty but she she is a i she is a force of nature by herself and i don't think the biopic did her justice no i agree with that uh it reminds me extension of that in the sense that okay denzel washington was on and he's great denzel washington's fantastic and he's on screen for like what two hours and 40 minutes we said or something like that um there was a severe lack of any other characters of 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 merit in the film um my big the nation of islam felt it was like three guys and just then just a bunch of suits (laughs) the only three people who mattered in the nation of islam are elijah muhammad brother baines malcolm x and then just a bunch of foot soldiers like there wasn't really anybody else who was like you know you just got baines going the other ministers are saying like let me see a meeting with the other ministers and let them say it everything came through baines i'm like what how important was was the nation of islam doing nothing while baines was in jail because it seems like it must have well i guess it wasn't you saw the the crowds he um, malcolm x was preaching to when he starts but um yeah it was that it was just the, the idea of it for someone supposed to be so big the nation of islam felt very small yeah um i the again like the women in the mosque too um the the time i did visit a couple of mosques i like there was a whole different like area and like a little separation thing 
for women and men in the mosque and women were not permitted in the mosque without having their head covered and the mosque he was preaching at didn't have that and I, I don't know if mosques were different during the time of Malcolm X. I would have liked to like know a little something about that. Yeah. You know, going in. Um, yeah. Anybody's best role ever? Oh. I'm going have a hot take. I don't think this is Denzel's best role ever. He's done so many good. That's yeah. The, uh, he's done he's so better in Philadelphia. Much. I've not seen Angela Bassett in enough. He's better in training day. Angela Bassett is Angela Bassett's better in Black Panther, dude. They don't yeah. give her they don't give her enough to do here. They don't. They don't give her enough to do. Angela yeah. Bassett is What's Love Got to Do with It is like one of my Is she Tina Turner and What's Love Got to Do with It? Oh, yeah. Oh, she's great in that then. Yeah, yeah, she's great in that. Fantastic. She should have won an Oscar like years ago. Yeah. But yeah, no, um no. I thought I like I thought Denzel was better in Training Day. Better in Training Day. Better in in um whatever I just said. Uh, why can't I remember it? Oh, Philadelphia, and I, I got to see what was the one he did with uh, Viola Davis. Oh, um, was that Fences? Yeah, I got to see Fences because yeah. the monologue they used to promote that film, like, dude brings all the acting with him, and I got to see him as Macbeth. Yeah, so. Fences and Widows are the two that I've been wanting to see for so long. Like you know, I love me some, I love me some, some, uh, some Crimson Tide and stuff like that too. But you know, if I'm talking about actual like acting, acting, terrible movie. Mm. <laughs> I love Crimson Tide. It's great. All right, we talked about this. Yes, <laughs> I want to see. I want to see Macbeth. I'm so intensely bothered by the fact that it is in black and white. Oh, I love black and white, but not as much as I love. I never want to hurt my age. What's my age again? What's my age again? Age game, age game. Let's all play the age game. Ethan, just two of us here. What do you got? Yeah. So first we have Denzel Washington. Mm, 92. I'm going to guess he's 36. I'm going to go a lot younger and say 24. Ian's bang on, exactly 36. <laughs> which oh, I was wow. about to say, just remember, this is filmed in 1990. Oh, okay, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> next, we have Angela Bassett. See, I don't want to overstate her now, because yeah. I see her now, and I'm like... <sighs> She's aged beautifully. Mm. I'm going to take that into consideration. <laughs> I'm going to say 40. 34. I'm going to say. Uh, 32. Hey, here we go. Oh. Uh, <laughs> next, we have Al Freeman Jr., who plays um, Elijah Muhammad. Wow. Yeah. Go, Oof. boo. 69, dudes. I was going to say 65. Uh, you both are pretty pretty far off. He's 56. Wow. Okay, because they said in the film he was like 61. So I went, okay, yeah. they're going to cast an older actor. So Julian gets the, I mean, you get the win, even though you're like 14 yeah. years off. Chase. Or nine, no, you're nine years off. Nine years off. You think maybe they aged him up a little for the film? I guess so, yeah. Yeah. See, I was expecting you guys to go, wow, he's aged terribly. 
Yeah, no, I was just... <laughs> that was my first reaction. I saw the name, it was 60, 61 or 62. Yeah. So like, so they always get someone a little bit older, I thought. All right. Uh, and then finally, we have Spike Lee. Oh, wow. Okay. Yay. Okay. Oh. I always forget how old directors are when the director. So I'm like, this is, this is like the, the best time to do but 31. I was going to guess 30. 30. Uh, Ian is the closest by, by like a year from Julian because he's 33. Hey. Yeah. I took the win on that one. There we go. <laughs> Seem to only win when the others aren't here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a pretty good record against against. I don't know. I've been all right with the Gage game. George though is really t- she, she's had a good run lately, but she's usually quite terrible. Um, so there we go. So now we've got the critics, Ethan. You've got those ready as well, right? Yes, I do. Okay, so go ahead. The good, the bad, and the ebes. So we have Derek Adams from Time Out, and he says it plays surprisingly safe as a solidly crafted troll through the uh, didactic, hygrographic conventions of the mainstream biopic. Okay. Uh, I don't have a number for that. Then we have Jonathan Rosenbaum from the Chicago Reader. Uh, this was the bad. He says benefits from a lively lead performance by the miscast Denzel Washington. Wow. Which, yeah. But doesn't be, doesn't come within light years of the book. One of the greatest American autobiographies. Okay, so okay, so I think that the, yeah, that review is more real, going is doesn't line up with the book. In which point, yeah. good luck. The book is almost always better. Yeah, look at passion. When it's like look at passion of the Christ. Story. The book was yeah. better. You know what I mean? <laughs> Denzel is a perfect casting. Yeah. If there ever was, he even looks like Malcolm X. I can't even think of someone I, I'd put there ahead of no. it. No. If you Google Malcolm X, the Denzel will pop up because, like, the like they've taken the pictures from the movie yeah. and it's now widely accepted. It's not even Denzel. how you look. I mean, the, the guy's cadence nails it. The way he was like touching his ear at one point, it was in that Malcolm X kind of posture. Oh, he's yeah. just a master of his craft. I want to have a bad word said about Denzel. Yeah. And then finally, Roger Ebert. Ebs. Ebs. And he says, this is an extraordinary life, and Spike Lee has told it in an extraordinary film, and gives it four out of four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, For those people who are interested, it is currently scoring a 7.7 on IMDb, and 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, so very, very highly regarded. Um, So let's talk about the fledged, not the fledging fandom, our Patreon backers, our friends of the podcast. And I don't mean Julie, because she's going to have her own little rating and speech in a minute here. What I do mean is, I'm just looking for the notes Georgia sent me here, uh, because I asked her to, and uh, I've got, here it is, I've got one from, who's got their name on it? Reverend Bruce! Uh, I'll I'll hit the uh, cue in a minute for that. Uh, So what we've got here is this is a long and important movie. I had seen it before and I was able to watch it again, but I wish I had more time to comment. But I will say this. I love the clothes. Look at him nailing the the Academy Award nomination. Malcolm made the transformation from crazy suits to button down bow tie look once he joined the Nation of Islam. Denzel, one of my favorite actors, simply became Malcolm X. I love Spike Lee himself as the sidekick in the early part of the movie. Do you really? And cinematography with its very soft contours was effective to show the 1950s. This movie's so important. Like most Americans, I'm more familiar with Martin Luther King Jr. than Malcolm X. 
both stood against racism, but in two different, very different ways. I so look forward to your thoughts on this. Uh, America still needs to come to get to terms of racism. Thanks, Julene, for yet again picking a very thought-provoking movie. And I do have another comment. I just want to make sure I find this. I have a picture of it from uh, Richard. I want to says not going to rate this as I'm not seen it in ten years since we watched it in A level history. Double lesson had to be. I'm sure you'll talk about the fact it was just wanted to raise that the fact that the old crusty ass Academy gave the award that year to Pacino for one of the worst performances ever <laughs> committed the celluloid as a travesty. Not that the Oscars matter or anything. They never really get it right. But this one's particularly egregious, I think. Thank you, Richard. Raging against the machine <laughs> as always. And I owe this one to Reverend Bruce. So there we go. Um, if I then go back here and take a look and go, let's talk about our fledgling fandom because I put up a poll as I'm known to do. Uh, is this a great film, a good film, an okay film, or a poor film? Ethan, what's your gut saying? I'm thinking this can be, say, great film. Yeah, 52% say yeah. great film. 24% say good. Uh, okay, 12%. Poor, 11%. Uh, Dwayne Smith. Dwayne Smith said, "Never seen this one, I'm afraid, but it's on the list. Always look forward to Julian's take on it. She always picks a stonker. Stonker's a good word over here. So there you go. Uh, Bigger Movie Pod says, "Great film. We need more Spike Lee films. Hey, I'm on board with you there. We'll do. We'll definitely do do the right thing at some point. Let alone um, 25 Hour Inside Man. There's a lot of good stuff out there." And Holmes Movie Podcast says, definitely one of Spike Lee's best films, an extremely stirring and powerful piece of work with a stellar and compelling performance from Denzel Washington. And that's really what we've uh, what we've got there. Uh, outside of uh, Dwayne Smith uh, saying, unlucky for Canada, I was hoping they would go on a run and be my second World Cup team. So there we go. Thanks for that, Dwayne. Um, so there's that. So all that's left for us to do now is our ratings, our ratings. Uh, I know what the Patreon one is, but what do we have from you, Ethan? Oh, my rating. Yes. Uh, I, I, when you said Patreon, I was like, oh, no, am I supposed to have that for a second? Um, oh, I've got it. Yeah, cool. I I really liked this, and this is the best, like, it's three hours and 20 minutes. It goes by so quickly. And it, this is the, the best way I can, is almost like an epic, because this, this chronicle such a, a long time and tells a story which i get invested in from the get-go even with my little issue with how it's uh like shown at the start between timelines but yep. the performance is great denzel washington is just he's captivating he's there are points i'm listening to him like no i i i i I, I, I get i get why you'd convert and i think that's the because i'm i'm listening i'm fully i'm fully seated listening to every sermon being given and the story being given and by the end of it i'm i know it's coming i know his death's coming but i'm still just flawed um so i am going nine and a half i oh. can't think of a pithy thing to say because i feel that that would be offensives out of 10 <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> i'm still gonna do one <laughs> uh julene 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 what do you got i'm giving it eight eight um eight preachings out in front of 
Christian churches out of 10. <laughs> he totally does like attack them like Michael Moore style. What are you doing in church? I got a better church he's you can like, come he's to. Like, How long were you on your knees for? Did he answer you? <laughs> All right, uh, I'm going to, uh, three hours flew by, three hours and 20 minutes flew by. I thought this was going to be uh, one of those things where I look at my watch and go, oh, not because of the subject matter, far from it, just because you hear three hours and you go, oh, my word, it's a big ask. Um, another film that I sit there and I go, I now get to save it, I've seen this, which is fantastic because it was one that was missing from my repertoire. I like Spike Lee films. Uh, I like this Spike Lee film. Uh, I like biopics. Biopics tend to stay with me a lot longer. Uh, Dragon the Bruce Lee story, for instance, stayed with me, made a big impact when I was a young man. Um, this is that, but then, but then some. Um, I do wish we'd flushed out some secondary characters. Um, one of the great criticisms of the civil rights uh, timeline and one of the great um, quagmires to, to unpack was there was a real, and you see it in this film too, there was a real jealousy or frustration at times for Dr. Martin Luther King and for Malcolm X because it felt like it's all they wanted to talk to or talk about were those two big-name leaders. The irony is if you had someone like Reverend Shuttlesworth speak instead, no one would show up. And so these big personalities became such a driving force in the civil rights movement and so we see that not only in the story, but we see that in the way the movie was made as well, because it made no room for Betty Shabazz, and it made no room for any number of other characters we could have incorporated, real or fictional, to represent real characters. So that's a very minor gripe on uh, what was a revelation of a film for me. So I am going to give it nine Plymouth Rocks that fell on us Ooh. out of ten. Nice. Thank you very much. Uh, so that is that's all I have to do is add along the Patreon pack and go. Who is the voice of the people? Julian is the voice of the people. Eight hey. out of ten was the voice of uh, Reverend Bruce. So overall, it takes us to an eight point six three. Another very highly regarded films. Our patrons picks tend to score higher than our picks. Ethan, I don't know what that says about <laughs> about the films we. I mean. We talk about Liam's picks. I mean, Liam's picks, you got to look down to find those. <laughs> I feel so bad every time. I was looking through them like, the last time I gave like a really But we don't judge it on Liam. We judge it on the film. That's all we can ever do. I like, I, I, I can never get my ratings in in time because uh, like I'm so busy through the week and then I finally <laughs> get to watch the movie and you guys have already recorded like the last movie. I was so bothered by the fact that it just seemed like no thought went into any of this movie. What is this bullet you're talking about? Yeah, like I was so <laughs> bothered by that. <laughs> it, it, I oh. was like, I don't understand the distribution of effort in this film. I, I, I'm right there with you. Like, was- I, I was like, I don't understand. I wouldn't call it a bad film. Ethan would. I wouldn't call it a bad film. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a good film. It was. It was a film. That's why I gave it a six. It was. Yeah. Or six and a half. Because oh, you can yeah. see the car chase scene does. You don't get fast and furious without without bullets. So I'm. I'm I'll acknowledge its legacy, but that's about it. And I. Yeah, I don't it was, get it. Steve McQueen, not a big deal in my eyes. Just do not get it. I. I just. It, it did nothing for me. Did it? Did it remind you of Heat? <laughs> when they start running through the airport at the end, it reminded you of heat. It reminded us of heat. 
it was like no why i was like what about the story why is this? exactly what know. about the story it's important to have one i think uh, <laughs> on that note it's time to talk about what we're doing next week when we're joined again by another bff at the bfe Oh, oh, oh. it's just the way it worked we got julina at the very end of november we're gonna get hermes in for the very start of december we are joined by hermes next week he is going to be talking to us about a film i've never seen again oh he had a pick and it didn't qualify and i would hang on to that for next year my friend what else you got and i hadn't seen the first one and i haven't seen the second one next week hermes is joining us to talk about lucky logan Oh, Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. <laughs> oh, I'm not here for that. Are you not here next week? Are you not? Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, no, you have, you have to watch and give us some thoughts. Yeah, I've seen that. I saw that three times in the cinema. Sorry, it's, it's, it's Lucky Logan or Logan Lucky? Uh, Which one is Logan it? Lucky. Logan the, Lucky. The, the, the Channing Tatum and Adam Driver one, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Logan Lucky. Oh. Yes, apparently it is Daniel Craig. Oh, wow. Seth MacFarlane, Hillary Swank, yeah, Adam Driver, oh. Channing Tatum. This is a cast. Yeah, this was the film that made me go, okay. oh, Daniel Craig can do stuff outside of Bond that's really weird. This yeah. is what made me really excited for um, Knives Out. Knives Out. Okay. Can't wait for Knives Out 2, Knifey. Was it Glass Onion? Glass, Glass Onion, Onion, which is the name of a Beatles song. So, yeah, we'll Glass see how that Onion's goes. The Knives Out story. Well, yeah. elaborate heist during a legendary auto race. Lots of. Oh, lots Le- of Liam will like it. It's got a car race in it. Auto, <laughs> like, a lot of auto. There's a th- I'm detecting oh, I, a theme. I can't here. remember who directed this, but I, I is it Steven Soderbergh? I think that sounds right. Let me take a look yeah, here. Because he did he did yeah. Tangerine and then Soderbergh. he did this yeah. and like a good chunk of it I think was done on done on the phone. So there's that. So that's what we're doing next week. Logan Lucky. Jeez, I'm not going to remember that at all. Alphabetical order. Alphabetical order. Got yeah. it. Logan Lucky. All right. So we want to thank absolutely bff of the bfe one of the ogs of the bfe julene julene um who's always been a great support and just a great friend of the bfe individually always excited love love just getting to speak to you in general we got to share about half an hour before we went on on mic while she was commuting back <laughs> i was like are, are we recording for the full two hours from your workplace is that was that what's happening but no you got home in no time at all so thank you for making a fair chunk of your sunday late morning early afternoon to spend time with us uh, thanks for inviting me i always say i always have a good time here and y'all should join the patreon so you can have a good time too look at that how's that for a pitch <laughs> patreon.com slash bfe we kept it simple for you <laughs> all right i guess we'll take this one out we'll do the walk down in the same order we did it coming in and then julian if yeah. you can if you can if you can do the last little bit as per usual that yeah. would be oh great real quick real quick speaking of the last little bit i finally got to wear my see you on the flippity flip flop t-shirt <laughs> i had to get it back from my kids <laughs> excellent 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 uh it's good hey it's in demand and if you hey if you want to go ahead check out our twitter that's uh at best film of her pod uh, up at the top it's got a link to our merch store you can get your own catch you on the flippity flip flop t-shirt and uh like julian we've also gotten and welcome 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 <laughs> welcome shirt and many other designs there yeah to go ahead and show your love of the bfe to all places and they'll go what is that what are you guys doing <laughs> 
people just get one for the whole family like get on there hit the link and just buy one for your whole family because if your kids are like mine they'll steal your t-shirts david (laughs) 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 oh so there we go um so I guess that's about it. So we're going to wrap this one up. Thank you again to Julene for bringing us Malcolm X, a film I'm very glad to say now that I've seen. Please join us next week. We're joined by Hermes to talk about Logan Lucky, starring everybody in Hollywood, apparently. For <laughs> best film ever. Ah, uh, but Ethan? Uh, but Ethan? I've been Julene. And I guess all that's left to go is this. If you've got a gambling problem, please seek help. If you're getting football tips from Ethan, make that doubly so. We'll catch you on the flippity flap. The flippity flip flap.